Ladies, gentlemen, NBs, welcome back. This is the Eat, Sleep, Believe, Repeat podcast, your weekly AEW review and breakdown. How's it going? I'm here with my boy, Charlie. Gnarly Charlie, how's it going? Bud, bud. I think everything's uh, going all right, I'd say. All right. What's going on, everybody? They call me the Duke. They call me the Digital Spectre. They call me... No, they actually call me the Digital Phantom, but that's been what I've been calling myself lately because I've been playing Mass Effect. Over on Twitch.tv slash the Duke of Herbs, where you can find me. Um, uh, actually, you know what? Fuck it. I'll do this right now because it's a perfect opportunity, and I'll get to the other stuff in a second, but I'm actually going to be starting Starfield like as we get done with this recording. So if you happen to like watch this later today and you're like, oh shit, Starfield, the VOD will probably be up by the time you hear this, but maybe not. It might not be. I might literally still be playing when you fucking listen to this. So <laughs> um, we'll see. Charlie, I don't even know. I haven't even asked you this. I don't know if you're busy later or not, but if I can get you in the Xbox party, I'm totally going to lock it because I don't need any nonsense, but you know, like um getting some but, Starfield action going. Yeah, just like, I don't know. I'm sure you'd be interested to hear my reactions. I don't know how busy you'll oh, yeah. get with Get, get with you um later uh maybe start a little bit later if you're not going to be available for a bit but anyway um yeah and we'll get into all that in a bit because you know we go into all our our socials and all that and stuff in a bit but um just before uh you know we get into the what i thought was a fun week of aw wrestling this week um you know the post-punk era is starting to settle in i think um and uh it's looking it's looking pretty good you know i was actually you know what fuck it i'll bring this up now i don't think it was gonna be a point for us to bring this up at any point in the show so instead of doing what we would normally do and i'm just gonna ignore the format this week which i already told charlie that i was gonna do and i do this some weeks guys because sometimes i just like the format is good but sometimes i just like to go a little free flow we actually <laughs> charlie i don't know if we ever talked about this so when we first talked about this show that was kind of the concept it was like we're gonna have a format but if i want to just or you want to just throw it out one week we just not completely but we can just kind of pivot based on the feeling oh, yeah. right now the vibe is different so i'm going to talk about this and one other thing before we get into favorites and stuff before i get into that stuff though i do want to go ahead and take over a couple of orders of business make sure you can follow us on twitter if this is the first time you're listening to this show you probably don't know who we are uh, i'm bane duke that's b-a-n-e b-a-n-e-d-u-k-e on twitter you follow charlie at o, o charlie with an x instead of an a and uh you know you can follow this there as well as the eat sleep elite twitter you know it's just that it's eat sleep elite we're building a wrestling community over there we'll hit you with the follow back hit us with a message hit us with a tweet you know um hit us with a steel chair hit us with a frog splash from the top you know whatever you gotta do you know um uh hit us with a uh, barbed wire uh baseball bat no uh, uh, throw us no uh, what you gotta do actually no this is what you gotta do in honor of john moxley since we were just in cincy uh you gotta you gotta body slam us onto a a, uh, a bed of nails <laughs> like <Yes>. any omega <laughs> that was so fucking metal um anyway um yeah no uh what was more metal that or when the thing fell on kenny's foot fuck that had to hurt anyway um grab my foot fuck i can't walk anymore anyway um can imagine uh, kenny omega goes out for fucking a year and a half with like every injury under the sun and literally his career gets ended because his foot gets chopped off by the fucking anyway um no more toes no no more feet uh no more feet picks from kenny anyway um kenny kenny uh suddenly has uh, only half as much interest on feet finder anyway um so yeah uh yeah so before we get into the rest of the stuff um uh, something I, I've noticed since Punk's been gone is like it feels like there's like this like almost like everyone can fucking breathe now. Like there's like this aura that is lifted off of Collision now that just sort of existed. You, you know, you didn't want to say about I didn't talk about because I didn't want to like handicap the show 
Not that my opinion is going to change that, but I didn't want to be sitting there like bagging on the show when it's just getting started because, you know, like, but I could feel some bad energy coming from that set. You know what I mean? Like you could just feel it. Like it feels like that's gone now. I don't know if you noticed that Charlie at all, but that was, that was what I noticed. It definitely felt limited at points. And as much as we love collision and we love the presentation of it, there'd be weeks where, you know, all, all we're getting is the same people over and over fighting each other. And it, that was doing fine for the short period it was doing, but it, it was starting to hit that point of, all right, we're doing this again, huh? So, yeah. Now it, it feels open. It feels free. The bird can flap its wings. The bird is flapping. But yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because I thought that was interesting. Um, but I mean, one other thing. Um, we won't spend a ton of time on this, but uh, bro, fucking that episode of Ahsoka. How about that? Holy shit. Um, it was it was pretty good. I really enjoyed it. I've watched it twice already. I probably people have watched it like fifteen times by now. But I, I usually don't rewatch TV episodes when there's new ones coming out because I'm just I don't know. I've never really been a rewatcher of things unless I really really super. It was like the greatest thing ever. Um, I don't think this is the greatest thing ever. But I said something to you, and I, I don't mind saying this publicly. I think it's the best singular episode of Star Wars television that's been done. Just like straight up. There were episodes yeah. of Andor that were fantastic. I don't think those individual episodes... There was one just straight-up single episode of Andor that was really good, I'll admit. But, like, there, most of the episodes of Andor were tied into two, three-episode arcs, you know what I mean? So, like, if yeah. you don't have those other two episodes, I don't... They still work, obviously. Duh. That's how good of a writer Tony Gilroy is, but... Um, Absolutely. But you, without, you want those other two episodes because they enhance that other episode, so... Um, you know, I guess I could judge those as individuals. I'd have to really, really think about it at that point. But I, I like to think of more as a whole or individual chunks, you know, than anyway, than as a, a individual episodes. But um, but I think that as a singular television episode, I can't think of a like maybe season two of the Mandalorian's finale you could put on that on that tier. And it's like the same level of I mean, and I'm going to use the word here. It's the, it's the buzzword, Charlie, fan service. It's the same level of fan service, right? Just for a different generation of Star Wars fan, this was the Luke spoilers. The Luke coming back and being the badass that you always wanted to be. This is Hayden getting his moment like that. Not that he didn't get plenty of that, you know, in the original. Or sorry, the sequel. Nope, sorry, got it wrong twice. The the prequel trilogy. Fuck. Anyway, <laughs> so many trilogies, and then there's going to be the the double sequel trilogy with Ray now. Even fuck. Anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, like, so, um, I I think. That might be a, a bit of a bold claim. I'm going to go with it, though, because I think I so many moments that just like the well, some people complained about the smoke because of like a budget thing. Right. And, but I think that added to things. I actually don't dislike that there was like you couldn't see the whole battle. Like I'm sure it was budget motivated, set, you know, but yeah, it makes cool. things feel more ethereal and more like we don't know for sure what this was. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. With the hints of, like, they're falling through portals and stuff like that, but you don't actually see the physical gateways, you know what I mean? Like, so you don't know, is this, you know what I mean? Like, we didn't see physically if this played the same way as it did in Rebels, right? The world between worlds I'm referring to, the like, the afterlife space, whatever you want to call it, however your interpretation of it is, right? That space, we don't really know. And I think it's great that uh, we don't actually know, like, really anything about what happened there, other than that it was this really cathartic, moment for ahsoka as a character that a lot of people have been saying oh she's stiff this was the moment when she goes back to being that original character that everyone's been waiting for and i think that 
Instead, now you're going to look back instead of looking like, ah, what a bad performance. She was looking like just so bored, you know? But like, it's Which has really been now, it's, it's an incredible performance now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Which has been what people have been saying. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I'm with you all the way. I, I really love this. I actually watched it for the second time today because my sister hadn't caught up on Ahsoka yet. So I was like, all right, I'm going to watch that before I get into One Piece. And um, yeah, I I really thought just so much fun. And the the development that we've had with Ahsoka over the course of these five episodes is truly awesome. And I think, you know, if we're really getting into the nitty gritty of it all, I think we're seeing the man in charge, Filoni himself, getting better at doing this in live action. And that's going to hopefully translate to the future of Star Wars. Look, even Tony Khan, it took him a couple years. You know, it took Dave Filoni a couple years. It's going to take him some time. Some repetitions, you know what I mean? So, um, absolutely, and I think I think it's fair to say that even though obviously there were episodes that he was heavily involved with, I think he did the original Ahsoka stuff, like all the, the first Ahsoka episode where it's like mostly her in uh, a lot of the scenes in in Mandalorian season two or whatever. But I mean, I, I I'll say this: um, if where people are thinking this is going, which is you know we're gonna get Thrawn obviously later in this season and maybe Ezra like a little bit. Um, and then that's probably going to set up either Ahsoka season two. Some people are thinking still, I don't think, I mean, maybe they could pivot things with the strikes and stuff like that. It would be really easy to do that. Kind of, they kind of did that after COVID, right? They changed some schedules and it worked out better, like narratively wise for some of the stuff. Um, because obviously normally we're now we're getting into the nitty gritty of like business. So like when they, when they do those things, obviously they'll set a date and they're like, now, now we're going to hit this date because they legally have to. But when shit hits the fan, you literally can't hit that date because of a strike. Um, a lockdown, something that prevents you from filming. I think they get around that sometimes, and they sometimes will be like, "Yeah, actually, we all agree this is better financially and probably better in the long run if we do this now, or it's just easier to convince people, you know, because shit has a yeah. plan." Um, but I mean, either way. Um, so unless there's something like that with the strikes, and they decide to do a season two, I do think we probably will get the movie first. But I don't actually know that because that's like 2026 is when they're saying that's going to happen, right? So we may we may get another Ahsoka season. I mean, it's really popular. So either way, I'm but wow, long way to go to say that I think if they're going toward that sort of movie crossover Avengers, everyone's calling it the Avengers crossover of this universe. I don't really like referring it to that <laughs> way because like it's it's not really like that because it's just like the universe actually being connected instead of being separate. That's all we're doing here. Which yeah, I know Marvel does that, but even then Marvel didn't really do that like there was if you go back to those first generation marvel movies the only connective tissue is shield and that's and that's saying something because they're barely in all the movies you know what i mean like so exactly you know and they were still doing the agents of shield shit at the time too like around like the second phase so like it's like you know like it wasn't quite perfect there yet so i would just say that um whatever that turns out to be the giant crossover story that we get i hope that we get to spend some more time with these versions of these live action characters from Rebels and from the Clone Wars, because I don't think they're going to cross over into the mainline stories at any point because they didn't in the actual original movies. So I think if they were to do anything more with them, they're going to have to play in a space like this. So I just think it's cool that Filoni gets the chance to actually connect this universe in a way that feels right. Um, but anyway, I won't spend too much more time on this. We've already spent a lot, but um, I don't know. I'm just really fucking excited about that show right now and so you know one episode if we spend a few minutes on fucking a tv show that we like i don't really care. oh yeah if i am i'm one of the hosts of this show while, i can pivot know. i can decide they know how things. we like uh they know how we like star wars it's our thing 
you know like and if if you guys don't like us talking about that stuff you can always let us know like i don't mind not doing it i just think you know even though this is a we got a freaking show. two hour discussion of us talking about andor on uh our youtube channel <laughs> that's true we do don't we it wasn't even mando season two it was one of them it was yeah we literally it was pretty went, great we went in we were we just were so, going dude we were so excited by by that uh we did like um two hour long discussions on the last two episodes of game of thrones like yeah <laughs> it was <laughs> but, we said like oh we're going 30 minutes both times and we're like nope we literally can't go we literally could not talk about all the levels of criticism that those episodes of game of thrones were getting without literally going point by point through it because if you remember i went through and i took notes about what the shit other people were saying so we could dismantle it you know like i, oh, I want yeah. people to go back and watch those videos now because it'd be fascinating to see what people think or if they just think we fall into the category of people that don't know what they're talking about when it comes to writing because we just kind of went off the dome we didn't like i didn't do research i didn't like look into writing and stuff like that i was just like this is what i like and this is what i oh, don't yeah. like you know like and uh, and I think Absolutely. our biggest argument was that it was like, not to rehash it, but I think it was like, that they just, it was brushed. What are you expecting? That was our whole point. But, um, so go back and watch that if you can still find that. I think it was on, was that on Masoki? Probably. Yep, Masoki Entertainment. Um, but, uh, today's show, yeah. uh, this is kind of a, a cool way it leads us up to this. Um, we're going to have a nice, uh, discussion about the state of the AEW women's division. As you guys can tell from the title of the video, that's going to be one of the things we talk about. But, um, you know, it, it, it almost falls in line with what our favorites are this week, and I think, I think that's a nice that's a nice team point. We'll we'll talk about our favorites, and then we'll dive into that because I this is gonna be fun. This is something we've the online discussion has been absolutely all over the place about this, and I I think it's time we finally get a chance on on our show to really kind of give some of our our feelings about it. But it'll be fascinating to see if I line up with the consensus online because i haven't paid attention to a bunch of the i i know that there's obviously always a discussion about it being like second rate compared to wwe's obviously because everything with aw is you know talked about that way but i beyond that i don't actually know what people have been saying i for those of you that don't know i stay off twitter unless i'm posting usually like i just don't engage that much anymore sorry x i stay off of x and other platforms for the most part (laughs) um just because i i don't know i just don't like to I, I I used to spend so much time on those things, and I and I still scroll Twitter quite a bit, but I don't really engage with the people's posts just because so much of it is just like fucking garbage, you know, like it's just bold, like free thought, the the freedom of thought that you people think that they should express just in text form on Twitter is incredible. Sometimes it is out there. So that being said, you're kicking us off this week. So what what do you got for us as your as your favorite of the week? Yeah, we're 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 starting with the end because that's what we like to do here. <clears throat> we uh we had a couple of really really great matches out of Chris Statlander this week, um, which we'll get into. Um, spoilers, but um, and I think uh you know we talked about Chris Statlander possibly you know stepping up and filling that role now that Orange Cassidy is no longer champion to have like the fighting infinite. You know, I, I thought Mox would be a great version of that. Not that I didn't think Chris could also do that. I remember go back a couple of weeks, I was saying they could both do it. Now, is that going to get weird that they're both doing it? Yeah, you might have to make a choice at some point. But, you know, you did the same thing with Jade and Orange Cassidy. So what difference does it make? You know what I mean? Like, um, anyway, um, yeah, so 
the first thing I want to ask you, Charlie, is because we have Britt Baker versus uh, Chris Statlander here for the TBS Championship, the main event of AEW Collision. Yep. Episode, I think, 14, I want to say. Yeah, um, 14. And um, so what the hell is going on? I don't know. Loud ass noises in my house. But um, does, does, does Chris Statlander versus Britt Baker have her beating? Britt Baker, that is her pronouns, pal. Um, does she beat the can't wrestle allegations here, Charlie? I would say so. I, I think Chris Statlander is absolutely incredible. And she is honestly someone I think we're going to start relying on more and more. And no matter who she's up against, they seem to get one of their best matches out of them. And I think that might be a, might be a sign going forward of matches this week. Because I thought, while Britt Baker carried her own here, I thought Chris, so did Statlander as well. And yes, just... Big spot, by the way. First uh, women's uh, main event of Collision, so that was cool to see. There you go. I mean, that, that that's a big deal, obviously. You know, I, I honestly hadn't realized we hadn't had that yet. But it, it, you know, I, I think in my head I was thinking that that's something Athena should probably get. Not that she's not getting it as a problem. Well, I there was only four women together. allowed on the show for about six weeks, <laughs> and, <laughs> no, and we're not even kidding. It was like six weeks in a row. It was the same four or five people. It was nuts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, you know, it is things happen, but. Um, the, uh, yeah, so I, I, that, that was just a funny thing I saw on Twitter. Does this, does, does she beat the back? Can't wrestle allegations. Y'all need to chill on Twitter on Brit. Like she can wrestle. It's just, I think it's something I'll get into when we talk about the state of the women's division is I, I think it's a, a mental thing. You know, I think it's like, I'll get into more details. So if, if this is getting around to Brit and that's all she hears, I apologize, but like, I will actually explain my thoughts later in the show. Um, but I think Stats are going to put like a fabulous series of matches together. I think um, they were both doing really good selling here. The doorbell's ringing. Um, the so the the sequence that they had accompanying that tweet was uh, she hit this kick. Uh, sorry, she hit this kick. Uh, Chris Statlander kicked out of this insane fucking move sequence that Brit hit. She hit an angel's wing, which is if you don't know, it's like Chris uh, Christopher Daniels' uh, finisher. Uh, then a curb stomp and a Panama sunrise, and then. She kicked out of that, which was insane. I don't think anybody expected that. In my head, I was like, oh, okay. I mean, if she's going to beat her like that, it would suck for, for a stat to lose the title here after like just like 100 days, you know? But like, hey, I mean, that's a that's a pretty mean sequence to go down to. Yeah, it is. There'll probably be some old heads that'll be like, oh, you shouldn't have kicked out of that. That's ridiculous, you know? But, you know, <laughs> they're just old. Um, And so she barely escaped here, Charlie. She tried to lock in the, and I guess successfully kind of did lock in the, um, the um shit what's it called the uh the lockjaw is that what it's called um no what the fuck is it called is that what it's called yeah the the oh that's what i finished it's called i couldn't for some reason that doesn't sound right to me i don't know why anyway the fucking goddamn cross face with the fingers in the mouth you know what i mean like <laughs> yep lockjaw um that's basically what it is uh the lockjaw she locks in the lockjaw and then she then like you know moves her into a pinning predicament and gets the cover barely um, I do like that Chris Statlander is able to get a win over Britt Baker here because Britt Baker is obviously been accused a lot in the past of winning a lot. And again, I'll get into that later. She's been accused of winning a lot and stuff like that, which I don't know how you get accused of that. She's not the one making that decision, but whatever, you know, like, um, like, but and this is a situation where I think to benefit, uh, Chris Statlander's title reign, because they just had a great match and both of them came out looking better, I think. 
um, that I think she can win here, and it just elevates that title reign further. Uh, before we move into your favorite, just final thoughts on this match, Charlie? Yeah, um, I I really enjoyed, enjoyed what we had here. And like you said, that finish, it's kind of, you know, we're getting to already see the damage and the the battles that Chris Statlander is willing to go through to defend this title. And I, I really, I'm there's that part of me though, that there's a part of my brain and you know what I'm about to say. It's like, we just did it with orange. I, I don't think we need to run the same story with stat, but it's, it's still good regardless. And you know what? If she ends up having a title reign as great as his, I mean, who am I to complain? But it's, it feels so soon, right? Cause it was just happening. And, but uh, other than that, other than well, that weird I think little... it's possible that she was going to do this for a little while and then Jade was going to beat her. Could have. And we'll get into that, but I think that that might be part of the problem. You it could have. Is that and... they had a plan for maybe for, for, for I don't want to get into it, but for Jade to be involved in this or to be involved in maybe the world title scene and maybe, maybe then Britt would have won it off of Chris a little bit later down the road or something. I don't know. Something, you know yeah. what I mean? There's something, something's fishy here that didn't Well, even after change, we get to the know? end of this match here, you know, we have Julia Hart watching from the crowd. And Statlander, again, she shakes the hands with Britt Baker and Julia Hart stares on. Dude, that could be an incredible match because remember, every match Julia Hart has had since the change has been insane. So I think that is two fucking people that are on just insane match streaks. And Julia doesn't wrestle that often, but every time she does, it's great. You know what I mean? She's been getting um, better and better. And mm-hmm. that's a I think very that's, big note. It's going to be huge. That's going to be an awesome match. Oh, I'm excited for that. So that takes us to my favorite. Rewind. Which we're staying with Chris Statlander. This is the Statlander week. And it just happens to be guys ESE stat we came up with the state of the AEW women's division before Wednesday like it just happened to be our two favorites this week were two of the women's matches so it seems fitting um I of course have Chris Statlander defeating Jade Cargill to retain the TBS title Chris Jericho mentioned on commentary that this was the best match of Jade Cargill's career I, I would agree it it's definitely up there and it, it might be the best one and I've been saying that with every match since her match with what does the one that they say is the one with Ty Mello or the one with Anna Jay? I, I love the one really with good. Ty Mello. That's the one that always sticks out to me. Okay, so since that match or one of the matches before that, where she really started to kick it in, maybe it was her match with Sky Blue is when I really was like, okay, now she's now I now I know that she's that really was when you started now. realizing just how great she is at selling. Like that match and with Sky counters, Blue, it's like dude, wait she a can minute, set up a counter for somebody to make them look like they just got one over on her so well. Like she moves really well for her size. Out, we can take it. Uh, there was a split second during this match where I was a little worried when they put that commercial break in. I'm like, ah, shit. Are we about to get what I think we're about to get? It didn't matter at all. The count, like, honestly, these guys just countered the shit out of each other and it showed how evenly matched they were. And I thought it just did a really good job of showcasing that Chris Statlander is the new big dog in the division, if you will. She is the one. She was able to beat Jade Cargill clean. And, um, yeah, I mean, Jade has always had the explosive moves. And when they're done on someone like Statlander, who I don't know this for sure, but I feel like they're both like either 5'11", 5'10", 6 foot in that area. Because they both look big and it, you can feel it. Like, it's just, it's really cool. And I think, I think the finishing sequence of this match, and you could say Stat was involved, obviously, but I think you can tell by how much Jade, you can tell, 
had thought about the finishing sequence of this match to make Chris look like a star. Yeah. I think like, you could tell that um, that the the advice that I'm sure, because you know someone who cares a lot about finishes who she's friends with, CM Punk, you know, who does a lot of love, who's training her, Danielson. You know what I mean? So those two, you have those two in your ear teaching you about how to make a finish sequence. That, this was beautiful, man. This was I mean, great. It, speaking of it, I, mean, I think hey, Chris Statlander is starting to put together a real strong argument that like right behind Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter, she's one of the most consistent, if not the most consistent female wrestler in AEW. Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. And well, let's just hit that finish real quick. I mean, so pretty much it starts with Jade hitting one of those explosive pump kicks, right? And then she lands up, she lines up for the Jaded, but Statlander gets a roll up for the two. Um, Jade pops up, hits a really nice choke slam that goes for a near fall. Statlander avoids the Jaded again, hits a discus lariat, scissors kick, and the Friday Night Fever for the victory. Clean as a sheet. There's no debate in who won this. Post match, we see Jade shake her hand, they hug, and Jade kind of lifts her hands up. It's a little emotional. Jade's got yeah. tears in her eyes. And I think when we saw the Rampage broadcast, it was like, well, these aren't just rumors. This is Jade's. This is, I mean, unless something drastically changes, this is going to be Jade's last match in AEW for a, for a while. And yeah. um, maybe ever. Like, you never know with Cody. You never know with Jade. You never know if, if these people are ever going to come back. The yeah, only one could. I can tell you that's probably not coming back is Punk. So, um, <laughs> but. I just, this was, uh, it, it, I'm so, I'm happy we got to see this. And I think it shows how much even Jade cares that she was like, if I do one more match, let me put over Chris. And, you know, maybe they wanted to do it at Grand Slam. It wasn't in the plans or, you know, maybe something else is getting planned for her. Who knows? And they said, let's do it on a rampage. So I'll tell you what. I saw when this match was announced for Rampage, people were like, holy shit, that match is like way too big for Rampage. What the hell? And they were like actually getting excited for Rampage, it felt like. And I, uh, it got me excited. I, I, this feels like a big time match. This feels like a pay-per-view match. And, um, if it's Jade's last match, I'm, I'm, uh. The circumstances of the ending of timing of the contract and her wanting to genuinely just get out instead of trying to like short sign like a short term deal or do like a you know the thing where because what they could have done if they wanted to stretch this out either to the next show right which would be Grand Slam or um, if they wanted to stretch it out to the pay per view she'd probably have to just go on a handshake deal like Mox was on for a while and I don't think she wants to do that when you know she's not. No, she, like she doesn't need to do 25. That she's like, how old is Jade? She's in her thirties, right? Like, yeah. so, you know, like, so with women wrestling, we talk about this a lot, you know, for a lot of them, they start to think about, you know, retiring a lot. Yeah, of Jade's times, 31. Then, you know? so, 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 you know, she's got so many years left. She's got plenty, right? She's right in her prime. But if she wants to still take that and run, make a run in the WWE, she's going to have to go soon, you know? So, you know, if that's what's going to happen, we don't know that though. You know, we they could be pulling a fast one. They could have leaked that shit on purpose. You know, like yeah, AW does like to play mind games with us sometimes. But any other thoughts on this match that you had? And then let's uh, let's get into our, our our state of the women's division. Jade's still make a strong looking. She's she's not just dummy thick, chat. She's dummy strong too. Oh, um, and uh, as I called them chat. <laughs> I, I, I you know what? I'm just gonna roll with that. I call the people that listen to this show chat because I'm sure there's at least one person from my stream that maybe it's is cool seeing her me, husband's you know? baseball jersey uh, out there in the entrance too. I thought that was yeah, a nice touch. that was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I like that. She's like you know. 
It's like, it's like oh, this is a nice moment. Like J- Jade, no matter what, is a part of AEW history. Those iconic ass fucking shots of her kissing her child and holding her with the championship at the end of those matches, bro, that's going to live in AEW infamy. If those don't get into the like, you know, the ones that they show on TV of just like random shots, I don't know what they're doing. You know what I mean? Um, I think, and this is this is not crazy for me to say. I think if Jade went to WWE, had a career and retired, I think she still makes the AEW Hall of Fame because she's the greatest TBS champion ever, and no one's touching that. I don't yep. think, at least not for a long time. She's going to be the most dominant um, champion in the history of AEW. That's possible. They maybe don't even touch it at all. Like I, I would love that. I would. I would love that. I mean, the balls that would take to leave a female title reign. Not that there's anything wrong with that, by the way. I'm just saying that nobody has ever, I think, done that. The only time I can think of that was when Oscar had like the longest modern title reign for forever, yeah. like 800 days or some dumb shit. You know, like, like you know what I mean, like. Or it wasn't her. It was like it was. Well, there was like the Pete Dunn one, but hers was like 400 days or something. Like, oh yeah, it was incredible. The NXT champion or something. Like, yeah. Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and move on here. But I, I just, just I, yeah, Jade's going down in the history of AW no matter what. That's all I'm getting at here. You know, like, yeah, absolutely. So, okay, here's what kind of what we were thinking for this, and you know, we we used to do this funny enough with NXT back in the day. Uh, on our Raw Deal podcast is we'd have special episodes titled, well, the state of NXT. And we kind of go through NXT, see what's working, see what's not. And funny enough, a lot of our favorites then are in AEW now. So it's like pretty cool. It's funny. We'll be talking about some of the same people, which is kind of yeah. funny, you know? So I got a few discussion points and we'll kind of go through them. We'll just, I don't know how much time we're going to spend on this. I don't know how much time we'll spend per thing, but we're just going to go at it and see what we see. So let's kick us off. So we have to talk about our champions first. Okay, and I'm going to say in AEW, we have three women's champions because I'm counting Ring of Honor. We have Soraya as our women's world champion. We have Chris Statlander as our TBS champion and Athena as our Ring of Honor women's champion. And I think it's safe to say Athena has been booked like a fucking god compared to the other two. Is that is that safe to say? Um, with her, th- I mean, I I would agree. I don't know how many non Ring of Honor watchers, and I know by the way, shout outs to those that always are happy when we talk about Ring of Honor. Shout out to my Ring of Con fans, but um, my Ring of Con crew. Um, but you know, um, but not everybody watches that, obviously. So I'm curious what other people's take on that would be. I know she has been on AEW, and they've seen how awesome she is on AEW. She's been allowed to be herself that she's on Ring of Honor, right? Yeah, but. I know how wrestling fans are, and if they haven't seen it, then it doesn't exist. So, and we're now we're sitting at a point here where, yeah, she has had. Well, I'll, I'll say this now. So, when it comes to Ring of Honor, since we're talking about Athena here, there's no one else that's been listed on their show. Are you ready for this? This little stat nugget here. So, Athena has 38 appearances this year, right? And Ring of Honor. Right. The next closest is Willow at 15. I think inherently there. You, Talk about you, building your show around somebody. That's what we've been saying for months. And if that doesn't tell you right there that she, she's been in, I, I would say, and this is not an indictment. This is me saying I, this was the right move. She's been in more segments than anybody. Absolutely. Like, you know, like, the ne- including men, the next highest is Brian Cage at 22. So think about the fucking the difference there. 
Think about how many times you've seen Brian Cage on Ring of Honor just randomly in the background where he didn't wrestle. Yeah, you know, it counts. he was just there as part of the mogul. You know, yep. like, and that's fine because he should be there if it's like Toa and them are wrestling because they're a trio. But you know, like, it, it's a lot of random like, oh, I'm Brian Cage moments. You know what I mean? You'd think it would be him, but nope, it's it's Athena because they built the show around the star. And you know, I think Ring of Honor right now can be used they they're really hoping to build more stars in ring of honor and i think we've spent a lot of time over the past like months at this point maybe even a year because ring of honor is going on nearly a year since he's gotten it and there's been a lot of women that i he's clearly trying to it, it almost feels like build them up to maybe get the call up if you will it feels weird calling it a call up but I mean, between Willow, I think it's almost like Athena has built this culture of the women's division over there that she is like the fucking gatekeeper for AEW at this point. If you want to make it there, you're going to have to go there and face her several times and she's going to beat the shit out of you and you're just going to have to take some L's to Athena and then you'll show up and you'll like go on like a 10 match undefeated streak in AEW, you know? Like, <laughs> literally. I, well, you know, literally, like, it's happened a couple of times, you know, look, if, if Billy Starks goes and starts having regular matches on TV and AEW, I expect her to win a bunch because she's under Athena. I expect that to be how it works. You know that I mean? could be a fun. That could be a fun thing. So I just wanted to, in terms of our champions, we know Soraya is facing Tony Storm next. We know Chris Statlander is going to face Julia Hart next, and I think it's safe to say Athena's next big match is going to be Billy Starks, as that was kind of the one that was intended for. Uh, it was all out, right? So they're probably just waiting to get that match. So those are their next big feuds. Again, Statlander doesn't really. It's weird that TBS title doesn't really get feuds, but we'll we'll talk about that in a second. So the first thing I really want to discuss, and in it's it is actually hurting the women's division, is injuries. We have been absolutely slaughtered by injuries in the women's division, and I'll I'll say this between Thunder Rosa and Jamie Hader, I think those are those are two of your top five women's stars, and they are both still currently injured. I think they're two of your top three women stars. Honestly, yeah, they are two of the top three. And and I think having those injuries is actually really hurting. It is it is inherently hurting the division. Because it's hurting the matches going forward and it's hurting the excitement around matches. Because if you were to announce that it was, you know, fucking I don't even know Tony Storm versus Jamie for this title or Tony Storm versus Thunder Rosa, you're gonna get some fucking excitement. Um, here we go. I want to be clear about something, though. Obviously, it's out of everybody's control. It's nobody's yes. fault. It just sucks. It's like the same thing that happened to Forbidden Door 1. Great show, by the way, but just mired by injuries on both sides. And even Forbidden Door 2, to an extent, was also in a similar boat, you know? Um, but, like, it, it just it sucks, but it is one of the things that is holding things back. For us to not acknowledge that that is a big factor would be just in, factually incorrect. So I just wanted to make sure we, we were clear about that. Even one of our big free agents we're going to talk about towards the end of this. I mean, it's injury injury based. Um, the next big thing I want to talk about, and you know, it's all over the news this week. We just talked about it a little bit, but Jade Cargill no longer in AEW as of today. So Monday, September eighteenth. She's no longer on the AEW roster. This this is happening. She's gone. And I think... This is insane, first of all. Yeah, th that, that this is crazy. The fact that you couldn't get her back in some way, that's such a heavy indictment on the women's division. I Part of me thinks maybe they didn't even have a chance. 
And I, I think, I think this is going to happen again with Ricky Starks. But what is it about? Like, is and if, if, cause I'm going to be honest with you, if Jay were to come out and be like, it's nothing against AEW, yeah. I just decided to leave. I don't think I would believe her. And I'll tell you why. Because if AEW is what we believe it to be, then the women's division should be that too. You don't hear the men coming out very often if you're not like, folks, if you're not him, like, and saying that like AEW's culture is so bad. You know what I mean? Like, you, you hear that from a few select people. And that's about it. So unless there's just some massive smoke screens going on and we just don't see that this place is actually just fucking shit show constantly, you know? I, I don't maybe think it has is. anything to do with AEW. I, I think AEW... <sighs> I just find she, that so hard to believe. AEW. Like, what's so... Just like Cody. Cody loved it. And I think this has more to do with, you know, there... She knows she's going to be a star there. She's... I mean, Melter's kind of already confirmed. She's probably going to be making some pretty good money. This ain't going to be newbie money. She's going to be the second person to make the jump from AEW to the main roster of WWE. And th- that's that that part speculation, of course. That's why I'm saying this is why Tony Khan should have backed the fucking Brinks truck up to her if he had to. Like, I'm sorry if that would have pissed some other people off in the division, but that's the reality. Like, if that's what needed to happen here, if he needed to give her a fucking mainline spot on the show, he, can, he could do that. Like, he could. He did it for CM Punk. He built an entirely new show for goddamn CM Punk. But a person he, I'm sure, had a pretty strained relationship with after Brawl Out. You know, like, fuck. Yeah, and, and I think I think Jade knows. J- and this, the thing that I think might haunt Tony, and I, this is me speculating here, is the fact that he never fucking put her for that main title. This, he's going to look, because I guarantee you, by 2024, she's going to be a women's champion over there. And guess what? She's going to be a fucking star with that belt. You could have her drop... Dude, Nia Jax just returned. If you have Jade Cargill next week show up and beat her ass, and then you have fucking Jade challenging Rhea Ripley starting next week, people are going to be excited about it. Like, it can happen next week. And they 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 never put her towards our main title. And it that, to me, is going to be the biggest fucking mistake that they've made with Jade. And I understand that they built this title around her, and she was, you know, 528-day champion. But I think, but now we're, we're entering a phase where she just returned, you know, she puts out, she returned as a baby face. Oh my God. The people were cheering for her. Oh yeah. And like, she should have, you could have easily had her beat Soraya and I don't, as a baby face Jade. I mean, now we're talking something way different. Yeah. You've entered new territory now. This is what she's going to be over there. And she's just unlocked like a new fucking level to her own character that is going to make her dude, even more of a star. Baby face Jade I, versus I, heel EO Sky. Like, dude, are you kidding me? Dude. She, so how like, much she loves that kind I of wrestling? I think part of what motivated this for her, and you could say it's not AEW, but I, I will maintain what I said throughout her entire title reign is that they never did anything interesting with it. Not once. It was a very great reign. It was a historic reign, right? Longest reign ever. But. We went through that title reign, man. There wasn't that much substance there. No, you know, no, like, not at all. And it was our biggest, I think, I think our biggest complaint about it was that we went through all these matches, but they were all like two to three minutes, a lot of them, not really, but they were all like less than 10 minutes, you know, squashes. Jade was pretty much in control the whole time, except for a few occasions. And we all pointed those out as all her best matches, right? Where they actually let her get loose a little bit, you know? I mean, remember when they unchained Wardlow and Wardlow had that run of matches and then they just chained him again? Like... I mean, yeah. like, 
when you unchain some of these bigger wrestlers that have the athletic ability to back it up, you know, it, it can create great moments. And I think that that's only good, though, to do that when you actually have a story there. I'm not saying there was no story to what Jade did. She had the whole baddies thing. She'd sent um, Sterling packing for a while. There was other things that they did that were um, really, um, you know, could have gone somewhere. But they just, I think the lack of attempt to actually do something with that undefeated streak and make it mean something more than just, damn, that's a really long undefeated streak. I think, I think my argument about undefeated streaks being pointless unless you actually have something there. I mean, just compare that to Orange Cassidy's streak of wins. We're in two different complete realms of, of reality. Oh, yeah. The TBS title does mean something because of her reign. The international title is what it is because of what Orange Cassidy did with it, you know? like. Oh, and he, he even defended it more times than she did during that title reign. And, so and it's like... like not, probably like 85% of her, her defenses were against people that no one even knows. And then So hurts. if that's the kind of thing, if she's like... If if it's nothing to do with it's it's why I find it so difficult to believe that there's nothing with AEW unless unless she comes out and literally refutes everything I just said and says nope actually I I thought that was perfect at the time and it was the right decision booking wise and I just shouldn't have you know not that I make those decisions but I thought they were doing it right and then I'll stand corrected and I'll come on this podcast and I'll literally say okay yeah Jade said that that's fair you know but I don't think that's what's gonna happen um I don't think she'll talk about why she left I think she'll keep that to herself because I don't. She doesn't do interviews like that really anyway that I can remember. So like, um, but if she does do one and she says stuff like that, fine. But I, I just find it very difficult to believe that it's fully divorced from how they treated that title reign because it was great, but they didn't go anywhere with it. And if she was going to become champion again, she knows they're not going to take it off of her for a while because how they did it before. So if the women's title, the mainline women's title becomes that. When it already struggles to get stories on TV as it is, I could see her looking at that and doing the math and saying, that's not going to work out for me. Yeah. Yeah. She absolutely could have. And that kind of flows really well into something else here. Um, and that's the fact that non-title programs are at this point and kind of have been for a long time. They're still non-existent. It, this, it's pretty rare. And we get excited when it happens. I mean, when the Willow and Anna Jay thing was happening, we were like, holy shit, it's a legit non-title program. And this gives no other chances for people to get over. Like, and if it is a non-title program... Bro, every time they've done it, too, there was a two-week program between TJ and fucking Ruby Soho and Willow Nightingale, remember? And there was also another yeah. tag team uh, uh, women's match. T- I think it was like Britt Baker. TJ versus the Bunny and Penelope Ford. Oh yeah, that too. They had like three random, like two week feuds that ended in like a extreme rules type match, and the women killed it every time, and they just forgot that that happened. Yeah, and I it, guess. Like, this, these, what happens is, and you'll give instead of a non title match, if you're trying to build up a wrestler, and I'm gonna point to Ty Valkyrie as the most recent fucking like a uh, catalyst of this. They just put her in fucking squash matches that no one gives a fuck about, and it the squash matches are very very hard to get over unless you just obliterate them. And you gotta have the flash, you gotta have the pizzazz to do it, you gotta do what Hobbs does now, or what Jade did. You gotta make it, normal squash matches are reaching a point, when that's all you're getting for the women's match on the card, you're like, oh, really? And I I think, that is really hurting the chance to build new stars, at the end of the day, is uh, these non-title programs, not not having any. Yeah, I mean, I think... 
I think it's so tough to find the balance. I think that um, maybe maybe an argument <clears throat> could be made that this is probably the problem with having too many titles, right? Is that you can't if you have too many titles, then it's not just. I think people often make the argument that well, then the titles don't mean anything. Honestly, I think the problem that comes from a booking standpoint is like if you have eight championships. I'm not sure if it's eight, but let's just say you have eight, right? But you also have like sixty wrestlers, right? And you want to try and get more than just you know. 16 on the card right well now you have at least eight matches right plus now you're adding like two or three more on top of that and you're trying to get like the cards done in less than five to seven hours because you know how much wrestling fans now that the AEW hasn't done like a really long pay-per-view before but they tried to avoid it because they know how tired fans can get after like three or four hours you know um it's just it's a it's a math equation that Tony Khan has to constantly wrestle with, and for some reason, the easiest uh, subtraction for him to make seems to be the women's division, and it really sucks, you know. Um, which I I don't know if it's intentional, but it just seems to be what happens a lot, you know. Um, I don't think Tony Khan doesn't like women's wrestling. I don't think he would have women's wrestling if he didn't like it. You know I mean, I don't think absolutely, and all the fucking stars he brings in, it lets you know like he cares. He wants it to. Ca- he wants it to be you know, reach its peak that he knows it can. Because I got to tell you, there are some fucking diamonds in this division. And they just need more opportunities. And that kind of goes to the next point here. And, you know, it's become a thing where we know each week it's going to be three matches, three promo segments. And a lot of times, like weeks like this, I love that Statlander got all the shine, right? But think about it. How many other women got a chance to wrestle this week? And we just, like, you could have, if you didn't have this lockdown of only having three matches, you know, there's no reason we couldn't have had another women's match on Collision. There's absolutely no reason why we couldn't have. And I think if he, we have five hours of television right now. I think if you expand this to five matches a week and minimally five segments, I think all of a sudden you're going to notice some more women are getting a chance to get over. And that's going to, that's, if you guys can't tell, that's kind of my fundamental baseline is we're not giving people enough chances to get over. So when someone like Jade leaves, it fucking hurts because guess what? There's no one to fill that spot right now. I mean, I don't think there's anybody that can fill Jade's spot, period. I think that's just a hole that's going to exist in the roster that I thought in my head was never going to have to be filled because I thought we there's no way Jade's going to walk because this has just been so good for her, you know? But it's not the case. Yeah, and and I think just fundamentally that that's an op- that's something that is hurting. Um, in earlier you kind of uh, attributed to Britt Baker a little bit. I I, I understand. I know you had some thoughts on what maybe some people were saying, kind of how you've been feeling. So I'm going to give you the floor here with with some Britt Baker, you know, kind of a back and forth reaction that people have been having to her booking in general. So this is the thing that I always bitch about when it comes to Britt Baker conversation, right? Is that people will say in the same fucking breath in like a six month span, they'll say, fuck, man, Britt has won like three matches in a row. She never lets anybody else, you know, win. She always constantly has to be a star, blah, 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 all this, right? And then she loses a couple of matches, and I see people on the other side immediately say, man, Britt Baker, she just, she never gets wins, man. Like, I don't get it. One thing that I have heard been publicly stated by people 
I don't know if it was Brit uh, herself that came out. I, I do remember hearing something like this from Brit, I want to say, but I, if I end up being wrong, I want to be clear that I don't exactly remember. But um, I have heard the idea that Brit is like almost, and I don't want to say use this term because it, it, it puts the wrong idea in people's head, that she has essentially been bitched at and complained at and had people turn on her in the locker room when she was champion. And so now she loses a lot because she doesn't want to get the repercussions from when she wins like that. So because I'm assuming that when she's not champion now, because of that flip, that whenever there's conversation about, man, Brit always is winning, Brit always is winning, Brit doesn't win enough, Brit doesn't win enough, that it immediately starts people down her, you know, getting down her shit because of that, you know, flip that happened in the locker room. Um, if the women's locker room in AEW really is so petty that as soon as you become champion, they flip on you. And I've even heard people say this about Soraya recently, right? This is not something that this, I, I'm not sure if you've heard this. I've heard the similar things from about what's going on with Soraya right now, that maybe there's a turn on her as well. Um, although I imagine there were probably people that were against her from the start because she walked in and instantly was the biggest, <laughs> biggest women star in the company, you know, like, but, uh, whatever, you know, like. I don't know. I, all I will say is this. It's funny as fuck to me that there's like the narrative on both sides. Like if one side will say she wins too much and the other side will say she doesn't win enough. And I will say this. If it's something mental with Britt Baker that's holding her back and this whole beating the wrestling allegations thing that I brought up earlier in like a sarcastic manner, right? Um, but there are people that actually think that out there. This narrative has formed around Britt Baker now. But I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I don't think Britt Baker is a bad wrestler. I think she gets in her own head because she knows that if she goes out there and looks too strong, that Tony Khan's going to be like, fuck, the crowd was really getting behind Britt there. I should probably book her and have her win something, you know? And then the fucking locker room turns back on her. When while she just wants to go to work and get a paycheck and see, you know, I'm sure she likes seeing Adam at work, even if they even do see each other. Although the storylines would lead you to believe they don't even know each other exist. Um, you know, like, I I think that, um, I think that it's motivated more by that. Why some of these matches maybe don't turn out to be as good than it is by Britt Baker actually being a bad wrestler or winning too much or losing too much. I don't think any of that has anything to do with it. I think that all has to be, I think it's all tied together. Charlie, what do you, am I just spitting nonsense here? Or like Less than 100 matches in her entire career before she had her first AEW match. She has gotten unbelievable, like the talent is, is there and it's a night and day difference with how much she's improved. And I would just point to, look at the two Thunder Rosa matches. Uh, she's incredible. I, I think every time she's in a multi-match, it delivers. So all in all, I think it, we've entered a place where Brit, you know, she earned that star mentality so fast with her, you know, DMD. She had I'll, the chance. I'll put, it, I'll put it right. I'll put it really simply for you, not to cut you off as soon as you got your thoughts back in, but it's just immediately popped into my head. Uh, the third person I was thinking when I talked about the Jamie and Thunder being the top two stars, sorry, top two of the top three. Yeah. The third person I was thinking down that list was Britt. Absolutely. So, and it, it it's fitting with it. So yeah, I, I think she's awesome. She was very, you know, like I said, under a hundred matches before her first AEW match. And I remember that stat line. People be like, they're building the division around her and she fucking, she went out there and earned it. They really did build the division around her. That's no fucking joke. Um, a couple other things I really want to talk about is, you know, we have some 
there are some impending free agents. And I think it's safe. There's three of them that stick out to me because they've all been linked to AW one way or another. And I got to tell you, I think all three of them would have a fundamental shift of the division. Now, a lot of some, you know, when Jamie Hader returned and when she had her big moment and she signed with the company officially, no one, no one knew that what she would be, you know, 16 months later being the top star, best wrestler in the division. It was awesome. And she grew to that. However, there's three women here. Number one, we're going to start with Mercedes Monet, right? She's 31 years old. Everyone knows her as Sasha Banks. She's done the new Japan. She's done stardom. She was going to be at uh, all in. It sounds like, but injuries. So she's another one on the injured list. And I, if she officially joins AEW, now that is a star. And that is someone that could, in a way, fill that star gap that we have. And you could... Hey, TK, you got connects at, 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 at HBO at this point. Get her in an episode in the House of the Dragon or something. Come yeah, on. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I've i said this before. She is... She's an actress. She's a Mandalorian. Yeah, and she's she's probably my favorite women's wrestler. And I've said that before, and I'm, I, I don't care. It's true. Which Sasha Banks, is, that was one of the reasons I was like, holy shit, she's fucking awesome. The second being someone who it sounds like is finishing up with stardom. And she's been linked to AEW for a couple months now. And that's Mariah May. And Mariah is 25 years old. Mariah, I really think... Now, I don't think she'd shake the foundation like Mercedes right, way, right away. However, this is someone that's... If she joined AEW, she'd be a fucking... She, she would be a big deal. I think it's similar to like Sheeta, Riho... Yuka Sakazaki, hint, hint, um, where they can come in literally for like one-off feuds and change the game. You yeah. know what I mean? And be, get people right and think pieces about why they should be on every episode, you know? And I think like Mariah me. could, you know, I, th- I think her debut would be something like Tony Storm's. And it, immediately we'd be like, okay, well, now that she's here, all of a sudden everything's, all right, so here we go. Things are looking up. And the last person here that is a free agent that I think AEW could be a potential. She said she wants to go to America. She's wrestling in America more. And that's Julia. She's 29. So, again, still in her 20s. And I think Julia's a hell of a fucking wrestler. And she, one of the best just out there, ran, random women's wrestlers I've seen since uh, probably when Ruby just randomly showed up off the indies in NXT. You know? Like, yeah. Ruby's fantastic as well. So, um, we have a lot of depth in this division. And I think those are three realistic free agents that could sign. and. That kind of brings us to our last point, and that is my last thing I want to say was Yuka Sakazaki is arriving in 2024. And what we mean by that is, I know this is kind of going under the radar since it was reported, but Yuka's moving to America to do AEW full-time and do American wrestling full-time. She's graduated from Japan. That that was what the big thing said. And I, I having Yuka as a babyface is going to help a lot. And I think that's the kind of talent that, you know, we can put her in multiple feuds and multiple programs and hopefully some non-title programs. Yeah, I was going to say, this is someone you should have on TV almost immediately as soon as you have her. Um, yeah. Dude, if just do a non-title program with her and Ruby right away. Like, I'm, I'm you could literally, that's, it's that easy. I just picked the name out of a fucking hat. Like, it's that easy. So. Is there any uh, any of the last things you want to talk about before we uh, 
hop into, we don't have much news today, but we got a little news before we get into our results and the stuff, so. I mean, so. Closing okay, arguments. So. Closing arguments. Yeah. So my, my biggest, my biggest thing, uh, for the AEW's women's division is not just like quantity, right? Cause we, we make the argument that there should be more. It needs to just, it doesn't need to just be more segments. It needs to be more segments that mean something yes. and actually try because the biggest argument against the women that Tony Khan ever makes that I can't argue with because from his perspective, it is a valid fucking reasoning is that they don't bring the numbers. Okay. But you can't get those people to bring those numbers unless you give some of them a chance. And wasn't it like one of the women's segments last week or two weeks ago, something like that, was one of the highest rated on the show or something like that, on Collision or something like that? Yeah, I, crazy? I, think I swear so, yeah. I heard this. Like, I think maybe Soraya or somebody was like one of the higher rated segments on the show. And obviously Soraya brings some star power, almost like CM Punk levels in terms of like women's wrestling. Obviously, it's not CM Punk level. Nobody's got that fucking level of just, you know, but I mean, no one, no one current anyway. Um, maybe Roman actually, whatever. Who does, I'm going around in circles on myself here, but, um, I, but yeah, I mean, you got to build stars. That's the biggest thing you got to do is you got to give people the opportunity to become the ratings grabs that you want them to be because if everything is a fucking ratings grab, then nothing is going to get over because everything is just going to be the same thing constantly, you know, like. Couldn't agree more. And yep, people need to get uh, more opportunities to get over. And if we create more stars, hopefully, and bring even in some new ones, it'll all be okay. All right. So hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, let's jump into our, our regularly scheduled programming then. News QT Marshall has agreed to a short-term AW contract a- extension. Uh, this will keep him under contract for the remainder of 2023. I think it's possible that we'll see him and uh, Q or the QTV probably do something. Then you know, yeah, that's cool. And that look, I speaking of the women, I mean, that gives Harley Cameron an opportunity every week. So, yeah, I I dig it. Um, Wheeler Yuta has sustained an injury. He was pulled from an indie show at, uh, and he has not wrestled since All Out. So, the nature and severity of Yuta's injury has not been disclosed. Probably minor than I'm guessing, if he didn't talk about it, or it's serious enough that he needs to take care of it before he says anything about it or something, you know, in case something goes wrong. AEW has announced Montreal and Memphis debut dates. Um, Tuesday, December 5th, Collision in Montreal, and Wednesday, December 6th for uh, Dynamite. So so you're telling me there's going to be some French Canadians in yeah, the Yeah, there, bud. We're going to get some Tuesday Collision there, pal. Oh. Hey. Saturday night. And again, uh, just because it's funny. Are they going to edit the song to say Tuesday night for the... Saturday, Tuesday. Yes. And then the last little bit of a uh, spec... This isn't really news, but... Andrew Zarian, he's... He is a reporter, right? Let's see. He, he covers pro wrestling at Figure Four Wrestling. So, I mean, clearly he's done something right in his career to get, get booked there, if you will. Uh, he's been right and wrong on some things. But I feel like this is worth mentioning because I think this is just him sticking his neck out based on stuff he's heard. Or if he's right, he looks smart. Nah, wrestling reporters have never gotten anything wrong. Or if he's wrong, wrong I don't know what people you're are going to give him about. shit. So this is nope. They've never been exactly. wrong. No one's ever been wrong ever. The definition. No, of you can't get up. mad at misreporting because the information was bad. So he said, "I feel confident to say that AW will be on Max in 2024, and AW will expand its pay per view schedule to 12 a year." 
and that sparked an ungodly amount of discussion where, yeah, if they're going to be on Max, I can deal with 12 pay-per-views. However, I still think they should be spread out, and I'm hoping in 12 they include in Ring of Honor, but I doubt that. Um, there's no way in fuck I'd pay for 12 Yeah, we could be recording or re- reviewing like 15 pay-per-views a year, 20 pay-per-views a year, depending on how much. Because you know he's going to expand Ring of Honor's pay-per-view catalog, too, because they only get like th- four shows a year to actually be yeah. in front of anybody. You yep. know what I mean? like So, yeah, just an interesting tidbit of news there. Um, let's jump into, uh, let's jump into our results for the day. So, as always, you're going to take the lead here with, uh, we go Ring of Honor, Dynamite, Rampage, Collision. So, you kick us off here with Ring of Honor, where we opened up with a world title match, right? Yeah, Ring of Khan, episode 29, opened up with the Ring of Honor World Championship, Rocky Romero, taking on Claudio Castagnoli. It was kind of like, um, a cool little match they had here. There was, like, two veterans just trying to, like, out-pride each other into, like, a quick win. They were just like, nah, I don't got time for this shit. I'm, I'm walking out with a title. Fuck you, you know? Um... And uh, Rocky did some really good selling here. It was a solid, just like barely under 15-minute match. So I was just like, you know, Claudio's been having these like solid matches with people. I'm sure when we go through his title reign, it'll just be a lot of like, damn, that was, that was like, hmm, that was a fun run. It wasn't like crazy, but like there were some really good matches in there with Eddie and other people. And like we almost got the Mark Briscoe match where he would have been dethroned, but not quite. We'll get there eventually. If it ends with, with Mark Briscoe winning that title off him, it's going to be a great reign. Um... All right, we had my favorite team in the world, which was the Outrunners and Kevin Koo, which, no, nothing against Kevin Koo, just fucking the Outrunners. <laughs> why? Why? Just fucking why? Um, I want to see more from Kevin Koo. Uh, they took on the Infantry here and Willie Mack, which I think is obviously based on now. They've done this two, two, three weeks in a row shit on fucking Ring of Honor and into Rob teams before, but if this is the team you want to win your trios titles off those guys, yep. I'm in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, they're still figuring it out. Um, but I do think it will work. Like, it wasn't perfect, but whatever. Um, the Outrunners got their taunt button stuck on the controller, bro. It was pretty crazy. <laughs> um, they just don't do it for me, no. man. Uh, but Cap don't cap. Carly Bravo was fucking so good at striking, dude. Like, I would love to see that dude just in a match with, like, Jeff Jarrett or something, bro. Give it to me. I, I, imagine the match they could have, just punching each other. Punching the absolute piss out of each other. Um, Yeah. Uh, give me Koo versus Mac. That that little tease they did of that match, oof, that looks like that could be fun. Give me Kevin Koo versus lots of people, honestly. Like, give me some of the matches. Uh, Ethan Page was backstage with Lexi Nair, saying he needs to find out who he is again. Um, you know, who else? Charlie, shit, is in, in Ring of Honor competition right now. Uh, well, at least he could be, if you wanted to do that. Is Scorpio Sky. Yeah. Um, this could be a great place to reunite the guys of Scorpio. This guy still can't find a direction on the main roster. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, again, that'd be like down the road, but if that's what they want to do, if eventually Ethan Page finding himself again is reuniting with Scorpio Sky, I think that'd be a really, and they're both baby faces and they both dealt with their bullshit from the past. You know what I mean? I'd be in, I'd be, I'd be down for that. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And so, you know, he was just backstage. Uh, Mercedes Martinez, uh, with no Diamante, Charlie. The fuck? What happened to bad, like the badass Latina yeah, chick? Might have, might have already, might have already on? forgotten about it. No, uh, she's taking on Zoe Lynn. Um, there's some direction desperately needed, I think, uh, for Mercedes right now. Um, she was a great champ, man. Like, what the fuck happened with her? She, her, Do you remember her title run, dude? It was great. Yeah, I was thinking. Actually, up with Diana. Uh, anyway, um. 
But yeah, so she slaughtered. This is what I wrote in my notes. She slaughtered a lamb for the marrow in the bones. That's how uh, this victory <laughs> went. Um, yeah. Uh, speaking of slaughtering lambs for the marrow in the bones, uh, the Gaste of Agony <laughs> uh, had a little bit of a squash here. Um, Toa is still a, a societal menace. It's, Khan is just cold as fuck, bro. That's all I can describe Bishop Khan as. He's just cold, man. He's he's just yeah yeah. Cole Radrick uh, yet again, hilarious. Mm-hmm. This was uh, Prince Nana doing Prince Nana things. You know how it is. Um, Mogul Embassy rolls on. You know what I mean? Uh, we had a little Billy and Athena recap. Minion in training shirt was a uh, was a thing. Uh, that was pretty funny. Um, and uh, you know, so this story is continuing. I've actually seen some people finally acknowledging this fucking storyline as being one of the best things in wrestling on Twitter. I hope it starts to spread a little yep. bit more. Maybe I get some eyes on Ring of Honor because um, they're doing great stuff with Billy and and Athena right now. And Athena's whole. I, I hope this makes people go back because the great thing is, Charlie, because we have this fucking catalog. This is the reason why we need AEW to be on Max so badly. Because we have this fucking catalog now. Everything Athena's done since this era of Ring of Honor has started. We have a catalog of this incredible run she's been on. So you can just go back if you want to and catch up on the last 28 episodes of Ring of Honor and see what she's been doing. If you could just watch her matches and it would work. Like Anyway. Um, and you can see how we got here, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe if you are curious what the hell this Billy Starks chick is, she's got plenty of matches in there too. You know what I mean? Because she was being used a lot before she got used by or used with Athena. You know what I mean? Like, ah, ah, it's good stuff. I love when my Ring of Honor is is is, is possibly getting some some eyes on it. Ring of Con fans rise up. Um, Christopher Daniels uh, took on Darius Martin. Um, this wasn't that wasn't much here, but uh, Darius Martin sneaking an upset win over I would what I would describe as a really solidly respectable veteran in Christopher Daniels here. So this is a big win for Darius singles wise. Um, and I didn't hate the match. Um, um, was there anything that I bulldozed through that you wanted to talk about? By the way, before I move on, no, I mean I'm with you on Athena and Billy, and this this <laughs> result here kind of kicked off the week of. Uh... There were some surprising results all week in terms of young guys beating some veterans. Yeah. Well, not necessarily young guys, but you know what I mean. Yeah. But some younger guys, or some guys that haven't gotten as much shine yeah. getting wins where they should. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and we have some direction for a, a person, Charlie, that I am really excited oh about. Because I've been asking for this for a while. Shane Taylor took on Big Shoddy Lee Johnson. And Big Shoddy, Big Shoddy got new music i like it i'm i'll see where it goes you know what i mean there's a lot of new music this week by the way we'll get through that but there's a couple different people with new music this week that um we'll see how we feel about some of them i did like lee's music here though um and so through basically there's mostly a story to this match this was uh, another shane taylor beatdown, but big shot did get some opportunity in there and they actually had some good stuff here maybe a little bit of chemistry but uh shane had Lee Moriarty come out and make a distraction at one point, which was a slight hint. And what I was writing in my notes is like, what I would like is like Shane and Lee or Moriarty possibly bringing Bishop Khan back if like, you know, that part of the Mogul Embassy falls apart or something after they lose their titles, right? Um, but, you know, and maybe you could even bring it back with Toa maybe if you don't want to split up that pair of gates, right? Whatever. But this is just what I was writing in my notes. But as this was happening, Moriarty was making the distraction and Big Shotty got beat by Shane Taylor off that distraction, right? So what what I didn't realize was we were going to come back later, and I'll just jump to it now because it's the next segment after the women's match, so we'll come back to the women's match after. Shane Taylor and, and Lee Moriarty were backstage, right? Okay? And it was during the Lee Johnson interview, so it was like two Lees and a, and a Shane here. Um, And 
Shane Taylor's biggest takeaway from this segment, Charlie, Shane Taylor has formed a new Shane Taylor promotion starting with Lee Moriarty. I'm excited to see where this goes. Shane Taylor's finally getting the fucking respect I feel he deserves as a wrestler. Give me your thoughts. I am so down with this. And even even when we saw him together on Collision, I was like, yeah, we're moving quick. And it it feels right. I Lee Moriarty, God, they cannot they don't they cannot forget about him. And Shane Taylor, you know. He killed that match with Samoa Joe that he got on All Out. And I, dude, I'm cool if you build Ring of Honor around this kind of pairing. And it really works for me. These are two guys that get me excited when I see they're in a match. Who would you want to see be like the third, the fourth? I, I could tell you who I would love to be the third member of this group right now based on their kind of direction they're going. But I threw out a couple ideas. Do you have any ideas you have? Who do you want to see them team up with besides just, you know, Moriarty, obviously? I mean,. I'm th- I'm trying to think of someone big, pretty jacked, because I I want to see someone on. All right, I got the answer for you. It's he's not that big, but he is jacked. Josh Woods. Okay, I could see that. I could see that pairing. I mean, I wouldn't mind if this kind of group brought in Layla Hirsch, maybe. Hey, bring them both in. Yeah. Now, now you're Fuck talking. It. Then you almost have an MMA vibe to it because Lee Moriarty is very much like almost like the wrestling version of that. And Shane is almost like the street fighting version of that in terms of a wrestler. It, there's a vibe there with those four. Honestly, I'll tell you what, man, fuck it all. Nah, you can cancel those other two out. The third's Daniel Garcia. Oh, hundred. Give me Daniel Garcia and Lee Moriarty's a tag. Ooh, now that's an incredible tag team right there. I'm in. Uh, all right, yeah. So I'll go back. Lady Frost, come below Nightingale. Uh, we had some. Uh, which was this a number one's contenders match? I need to look on my fucking note on my uh, thing here because I th- I thought they said that during the match, but that might have just been a misspeak. Yeah, I don't see anything speak. about um, it. Yeah, I'm looking right now. Myself. Do, 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 do. Um, bum, 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 bum. Yeah, it doesn't say so. So I'm guessing that might have just been me. Maybe I misheard something. Maybe they were saying, like, they will say this as commentators sometimes. Oh, it, maybe if you win this, you're number one contender. Hey, you know what? It tries to add stakes to the match. I can always respect that. Yeah, it's something you can say. Um, but we had some fresh tunes from McAbone and uh, Caprice here. Um, I liked bo- I liked both of them. I wouldn't mind seeing either of them challenge if that was the case. I mean, the pounce was there. It was fucking brutal. Uh, Willow ate some knees to the face on the, um, what the hell is that? The frostbite runesaw? Is that what it's called or something like that? Yeah. Something along those lines. Um, and she just took him right to the face. Hopefully Willow's okay. <laughs> um, she probably is though. And then, uh, she picked her up and hit her, I believe, with the babe with the power bomb for the win. Um, but I mean, you know, Lady Frost still looking great out there. Willow Nightingale still not really sure what to do with her obviously for whatever reason i'm not sure why just i mean have her have her win something or something i i don't know i just i uh, you know <laughs> like uh, either way um you know i guess i guess not everybody's gonna have a, a real sense of direction we talked about the backstage segment with shane taylor josh woods took on dominic garini who i think they mentioned was a friend of kevin Coop previously in the broadcast I don't know if that's actually true or if that was just something I like again misheard. But uh, if that's the case, um, it makes sense. They like to bring in people that know each other. You know, it's weird that Kevin Koo is getting the ability to do that already, though. I mean, I guess if it's just for a one-off job, I, I whatever. I don't know. Um, but you know, there's that. I guess uh, there was a nice technical base to this, so I wouldn't be that surprised if that was the case. 
Um, because you know Josh has been on this like technical stuff. Uh, I picked up the one with like the anarchist suplex. I think it's called the Twist of Woods or something like that. Or what? yeah, I think some, something. No, what is it? Something. Ah, I don't know. Anyway, uh, whatever the fuck it's called, I'm calling it the anarchist suplex because <laughs> that's easier to say. Um, we had a uh, Ethan Page take on Griff Garrison. Charlie, who the fuck is Griff Garrison? I d- uh. There was a long delay vertical suplex. Uh, I I have hope for Ethan Page and Ring of Honor. By the way, I think I think it's a fascinating choice for him to, to come here because I think I threw that out there as like a random one off, like way before he was ever even close to coming to Ring of Honor. And I was like, yeah, I think he could do some good stuff there <clears throat> if he needed to, like, you know, if he didn't feel like he was getting some shine. And I feel like that's what a lot of people. I don't think it should be on them to step up, but I feel like there are people right now, like Athena, Ethan Page. Maybe maybe a Scorpio Sky if it doesn't work out for him on the main roster. Maybe somebody like um, I don't know Daniel Garcia could come to Ring of Honor and he's already done that before, you know, and just do some stuff in Ring of Honor for a while when he's not getting booked on TV, you know. Yeah, uh, you know, maybe maybe there's something there. Um, Maria and Cole watched on. Uh, Maria also seemed to have some interest in Ethan Page potentially. Um, all this stuff would be interesting directions for certain people. I don't think Ethan Page is going to end up joining them, um, but he could. Uh, the Workhorsemen took on the boys, uh, who got a little bit of a personality here. They were talking about uh, believing in God and all that. and You know, uh, I'm sure that, uh, and not that this is necessary or something you have to do or should do necessarily, but um, it, it is, I think, known by a lot of people that watch wrestling that a lot of people that watch wrestling are religious and people that are wrestlers are religious, not all of them. And certainly there's probably plenty that aren't, but if it's that, it's that, if that's the thing they want to go with, that's fine. I don't care. There's been wrestlers that have had that. I can't think of anybody, but there have been wrestlers that is, I mean, AJ Styles has probably talked about God, right? I'm sure. You know what I mean? Like maybe not like super publicly, but like, I'm sure he has, you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. Like, even if it's the one-off, I'm certain I've heard Dax talk about it. I'm almost definitely just certain sports I've heard in general. I mean, think about it. I mean, every, usually after the first yeah. interview, uh, you got to yeah. have faith sometimes as an athlete. I feel like sometimes when shit just goes, because you got to imagine there's got to be, especially as a wrestler, someone who's literally been, you know, given an opportunity to be a star at something that is, for all intents and fake, all intents and purposes, fake. You know what I mean? Like if we're being real, like it's like a fake like performance. You know what I mean? But it's like a performance art that you are being treated like an athlete. So that culture is there, you know what I mean? So it is, but it is an athletic achievement too, which is what is incredible about wrestling to me. Cause it's like, it's mix and meld of a lot of things that I love, you know, like acting and movies and television and blah, blah, blah. But it also features physical activity and, you know, sports vibes and a sports aesthetic to it. So, um, I think, um, I think it's fascinating that that's what they decided to go with because you don't really see that a ton, but it would, it makes sense. And if that's, you know, as long as they're not like, Doing like what you know, um, well, shit, Miro. What am I even saying? Miro's entire fucking gimmick is his belief in God, right? Yeah. Like, I didn't even think about that. Like, you know, like, shit, yeah, it's a thing you can do that. And maybe the boys team up with Miro and they're like, we, we're fucking, we're the new fucking, anyway. Um, yeah, uh, uh I thought uh, Anthony Green was looking sveltier. Um, we had a visual pin spot, I, I love those, they're so good. Um, and then there was like a mega combo of sick moves at the end. But she ended up with a double stomp with on like the knees of uh, JD. And uh, they picked the win. So there's that. Uh, Griff Garrison was backstage and Maria Canellis and Cole Carter came. And uh, <laughs> Charlie. 
<laughs> Cole Carter was looking at fucking Maria's pearl necklace and she looked at him and said, do you know what a pearl necklace is? Oh my fucking God, man. <laughs> Maria, stop. Hey. Just because nobody's fucking, just because you think you can get away with it because it's on fucking streaming. Come on. Hey. Come on. I mean, he does love hot moms. He would definitely be down. All right. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, Tony Nese came out and called people from Cleveland uh, steamers. <laughs> Just going to leave that as it is. He called them a bunch of steamers so, while they were in Cleveland. And then he did some group training. And then uh, they had this, and then this was the fucking main event, Charlie. It's going to fucking blow your mind. AR Fox versus fucking Tony oh, yeah. Nese in the main Money. event. Um, I like AR Fox, but man, Tony Nese and I... I I can't believe I've gone this far now, but I, I think I've officially exited the Tony Nese zone. Uh, he's a vortex of boring and lack of charisma, man. He is. Um, he just doesn't have it. I don't know what it is that he doesn't have, but he doesn't have it. Um, and I'm really concerned that AR Fox is starting to lack something like that too, man, because they haven't been able to find anything that they can stick him in that they're so... Because imagine... I, I really liked what he was doing for the two weeks with... Oh, with yeah, um, they absolutely pissed the bed. That... That was his but, but best like that is the closest we've gotten, yep. and even then he still was kind of silent and not saying much. You know what I mean? But when they did let him speak, he was yep. good. But we didn't get a lot of that. So everything this guy has been given, they've taken away from him, and they were not giving it to him. So like I just, I'm really concerned that we're gonna like the crowd's gonna lose interest in him because they just like we've seen that before. Like Dolph Ziggler has been super over and lost all of his momentum because they just didn't book him right. You know what I mean? Like. I really hope AR Fox doesn't find himself in a similar situation. Um, the match was fine, but uh, Tony Nese is not interesting anymore, and I don't know why he's fucking made eventing. He hasn't done anything in forever. I, you know, like I'm, I'm cool with him losing though. Before we move on, yeah. I mean, do you have any other thoughts on this before we move on? Cause it's just I'm, another I'm one of those. The, about you know, sometimes in Ring of Honor we have stuff that we enjoy throughout the show, and then at the end, you know, you're like, well, did I really like that, or do I just love wrestling? I don't know. <laughs> this is this one of those episodes where I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so let's kick. Because yeah, I was in, I was thinking the same thing. Like halfway through the show, I was like, oh, shit, we're already halfway through. Yep. Okay, I guess I am kind of vibing with this. But then like it kind of slowed down at the end. And I was like, oh, okay. If okay, I don't watch Dynamite, bad. I'm wondering if all the other people watch wrestling. Because in my eyes, usually, you know, for the longest time there, I would always try and start my week with darks. Because if I would watch those last, I wouldn't enjoy them as much. So oh, I would try and always I get literally those. Would, Monday and Tuesday, no matter whether I streamed or I was hanging with you or what I was doing those days, I was always watching Dark and Dark Elevation. Yeah, right. I knew if I didn't get into them, like if I didn't, because it was really easy for me to wake up at like, because I wake up super late some days when I'm staying up. So it was super easy for me to wake up, them already be on, flip them on while I'm eating breakfast or something like that. You know what I mean? Or while I'm eating dinner in some cases later on in the night um, and just watch that. Because then that's like a nice, it's it's casual. It's not like as intense as watching an episode of Dynamite or Rampage, where you really have to kind of lock in or you're going to miss stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just, it's, yeah, I'm with you, though. Like, this, this was, this was fine. I just, I don't know. I can't put my finger on what it is that AR Fox is lacking, but besides direction. But, you know, everyone's lacking direction in AEW, it feels, these days. And that'll take us to Dynamite here. So, we open up Dynamite with John Moxley defeating Big Bill to retain the AEW international title. Big Popper Mox in his hometown. Yeah, the, the hometown cared about him. It was the good, great opener for him. 
Uh, Big Bill is is really finding his groove in AEW. I and I'll tell you this, man. I like Big Bill as a single star much more than I like Big Cass as a single star. And I think that lets you know how much I've enjoyed his improvement. But you know what's funny? Those four weeks that they booked him as a single star without Enzo, he was really over, and people yeah. thought he was going to win the fucking world yep. title, dude. And then and then when he actually went singles as a heel, it was like, oh god, oh. And uh, but yeah, that four. I'll never forget that. Yeah, you guys got some talent. Very hard hitting opening battle. Um, and. You know, even in defeat, this is what I'll say, Big Bill still felt like a big deal and like a big threat. And, um, you know, they they kind of use this as a catalyst towards the end here to set up our collision match, which was uh, ended up being a tag of uh, Claudio and Danielson versus uh, Big Bill and Ricky Starks. I, I need Claudio versus Big Bill in singles immediately. I could buy into that match. I could buy into that match. We have... Renee backstage with Roger Strong and the Kingdom. Adam Cole approached, saying it's a horrible idea tonight, Wrestling's Mojo. Strong has the Kingdom believing in him. Cole can keep on believing in Max. Strong says he'll do what he's got to do to defeat Joe tonight. I love that there's just a generation of NXT that's just traumatized by fucking Samoa Joe, bro. <laughs> Literally. So, we jump to Don Callis, where he's welcomed from uh, Tony Schiavone. And he's out there with Takeshita, and they, he announces Kanosuke the Alpha Takeshita. And he's talking about all the Japanese legends. To, to so so when we than... get the match, like on pay per view in the main event for a world title, it's going to be Alpha versus Omega, is what I'm saying. 100%. And the Alpha has his next target. They're going to unveil the painting, and it's none other than Kota Ibushi. He's going for Kenny's heart. And funny enough, we were talking last week about who we think it would be, and that was my number one pick. <laughs> I was like, oh, it actually is Ibushi. Okay, fuck yeah. Uh, I, this makes a lot of sense. It's going to be, I mean, this match is going to kick fucking ass, dude. Come on. Oh, yeah. Uh, Callus threw a, put a screwdriver through, uh, uh, Ibushi's, uh, forehead on the painting, of course. Alex Marvez backstage with Jean Marceline, Claudio Castagnoli, and Brian Danielson, who said he loves it when things escalate for the BCC. Uh, Danielson issues a challenge for collision with Cassinoli. Yeah, uh, the match next week. Um, and Mox says pretty much he they're cleaning up his uh, feud with Phoenix at Grand Slam. So, bro, I love that Phoenix right now is just pissed. He's like, Nah, no one's paying attention to me. Fuck you! I'm gonna kill you. They're all screaming at each other. Eddie Kingston walks in the frame, and he's just having a stare off with Claudio. Bro, that fucking image! Oh my oh, god, beautiful! It's so good. It's so freaking good. Renee's backstage with Hook. Um, about to talk, and uh, Orange Cassidy appears. Cassidy's just walking around, saw Hook upset when he has a title. Cassidy used to have a title. Hook said he was a great champion. Cassidy returned the compliment. Hook walked off. Renee asked, Orange Cassidy's like, how you doing? I'm so tired. <laughs> he, he's still so tired. <laughs> he's still exhausted from his title reign. He's like, man. I'm, man. I'm not going to credit this for myself, but I saw someone say uh, on, online this week, that if Hook and Orange Cassidy have a tag team, their name should just be Tag Team. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. Or you could call them Orange Crush. Orange Crush, yes. We have a women's four-way f- to earn a title shot at Dynamite Grand Slam, where Tony Storm defeated Nyla Rose, Dr. Britt Baker, and Hikaru Shida. Um, I, in my opinion, this is the right call. I think Tony Storm and her new Starlet character, if you will, is actually really badass. And it's very entertaining. And they took it to another level on Collision. 
that I, I'm excited for you to get into because I, I think Tony Storm is now adding another layer to this, like, uh, what's the term? This this persona she's created because Tony Storm's a great wrestler, and now we're moving on past the outcast shit. Which do you know what I felt in this of. match? Um, and I don't know if this is just me intentionally playing this in because we decided to talk about this this week, but um, I felt like they felt the pressure on the division for everyone to like make this work right now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, because of the conversation happening. You know what I mean? Like, I. Maybe I'm just inserting that because of our way we were looking at it this week. It's possible, so keep that in mind. But and I don't know. It's an interesting thing. I thought Nyla was going to take the take the pin here. Uh, it, it didn't end up being the case, right? It was Britt Baker that took the pin, and uh, it was a roll up, right? Yeah, she stole the win. Schoolgirl kick stole the win. Um, I think. Now, we, we talk about non-title programs. I think there's a chance we're getting real close to one with Sheeta and Baker. I mean, it keeps like it keeps feeling like it's building, and I, I really, really hope it does. Because um, I think it'd be a really fun match. And, you know, Soraya and Tony Storm, we'll do our Grand Slam predictions at the end of the show, because now we have the full card. But I think that's the right call. And, uh... Yeah, I'm very curious where we're both going to align with that. Um, speaking of Soraya, post-match Renee was backstage with her and Ruby. They congratulated Tony on winning the match. Soraya said once Storm lost her women's title, she lost her mind. And she's going to lose at Grand Slam as well, leaving Tony without nothing. Um, and yeah. So it, it's just kind of addressing, I don't know. Officially ending the grouping, which is a smart move. Yeah. I'm glad that nobody's having hard feelings about this because clearly they are all trying to make that whole thing work. But now they can not even have to be the outcast. I'm sure they'll still call themselves that. Um, and I think I saw a post from Ruby on Twitter. She's like, yeah, I always looked good in green anyway, so I'm just going to keep looking like this. You know, like, so yeah, she actually looked like she was. She had a green gimmick going on uh, before, you know what I mean? So uh ruby by the way people are starting to finally realize that ruby's a baddie and i'm like how are you just now getting to this point bro chicks with tattoos have always been a thing goth chicks with tattoos come on dude that's like oh, she yeah. fills that fucking void she's like ruby soho looks like how women looked like in the tv shows like the cartoons with all the goth chicks that made like a generation of men have a goth thing you know like <laughs> you know what i'm talking oh, yeah. about like um <laughs> like yeah she's that she's literally that the sex gods talk, and this they speak. The the needs. Yeah, fuck no. Somehow um, MJF returned. This was really bad. Uh, I, I am I excited for these two facing off? Yes, bro. When the crowd started chanting for them to kiss when they got really close. Yeah, no. <laughs> this this kind of face off here. My God, this was horrible. Like, I'm sorry, guys, but dude, what the fuck happened up? I just don't think it didn't go as planned, you know? And sometimes that happens. No, I genuinely think this is like when The Rock was asking if he should turn heel that one episode of SmackDown or whatever the fuck that clip is from. Like, I think this is like that. I think they genuinely don't know where to go with this story, so they're asking the crowd, and the crowd doesn't give a fuck, so they're like, I don't know, just do what you want. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, sometimes a a, tra- a movie trailer will get you excited for a movie, and other times you're just excited no matter what. If this was the trailer to the match, it didn't it didn't raise my elevation of excitement, but I am excited for the match, thankfully. So, um, I don't know, I don't know, I don't, I don't really, yeah, 
moving on. Uh, doctors are checking on MJF from last week. <laughs> Renee asked for an update, and the doctor said he's not cleared for next week, but we'll be ready for Grand Slam. Adam Cole tried to apologize to MJF, who's thrilled he gets another week off. MJF said Roddy is an incredibly manipulative person who's a wet blanket, third wheel, and told Strong to shake it off. Smojo might not realize it, but this pitbull has a whole lot of bite. MJF promises if he wins the tournament, he will choke Joe out. And then he's, he goes off on the uh, infamous Scott Steiner math promo from TNA. And Renee's reaction was fucking incredible. And then Taz. Oh my god, Taz. He goes, that math was right out of the University of Michigan. <laughs> Bro, Taz has no chill. And me, an Ohio State fan, that just hits that extra little, uh, it's the extra little fucking laugh for me. Um, I mean, it's MGF. He's a fucking dude. Like, come on, man. Why did he do that? And it was awesome how he did it. Like you the can't only beat thing this worse guy. Than, than Jade getting pushed to WWE would be MJF. Like if that happens, it's Jover. Oh yeah, and it, it very well might. I mean, look, we might be on the last three months of MJF. Let's hope we're not, but we very well might be. And MJF is so fucking. He can do whatever he wants. He's so good at anything. He just cut a Steiner fucking math promo going into Grand Slam. What the hell, Brian Cage? Hangman Adam Page. Like, there's, there, you know, there's there's Braun Breaker making one math joke in a promo with two other people in it, right? They they all barely struggle to get through. I saw the clip. Um, and then, and Braun looks like the best out of the three of them there, admittedly. But then there's MJF doing the Steiner math promo, and it's just two completely different stratospheres. <laughs> and he's got the blood relation. Um, Hangman Adam Page, Brian Cage. There's a lot of uh, history here in AEW. Uh, Brian Cage, you know, the first time he beat Hangman, he effectively took him out of the main event scene, and he beat his ass. He's, he borderline squashed the motherfucker, and it was kind of unheard of. Their second match is the first match post-pandemic. Well, they were still in a pandemic, of course, but first match having fans at a pay-per-view. And it was really cool. I'll never forget that at Double or Nothing. I watched that one on my fucking phone. Funny enough, it was a really weird time. God, wrestling was so weird. Um. And, you know, going into this, they did a really good job throughout the kind of show talking about the history of the match every time that they teased it. And, you know, I, I thought it delivered because Paige and Cage both went out there and I thought Brian Cage looks like a, the unbreakable fucking machine. Swerve's music hit at one point and it put Prince Nana in a literal fucking trance. Uh, he, he, he was lost to another spectrum and it was pretty incredible. But in our first matchup of Hangman Adam Page versus Swerve, you know, it's coming up. Now we're building a legit, what do you know, a legit non-title program. And it's actually working. And this was enjoyable. And I'm looking forward to Grand Slam next week where we have something I never thought would fucking happen. And that's the Mogul Embassy defending their trios titles against the Hung Bucks. Holy shit, dude, what? And that that really catches me off guard, and that was awesome to see. We're getting a double trios title rampage. We really are. So, but uh, any any thoughts you had on this match? And you know, we're we're moving quick with our Hangman Adam Page and Swerve Strickland feud. Now now he beat up his boy. So, yeah, um, that you know, this being the third match between the two is pretty interesting. I'm glad we got that little recap because I hadn't seen either of those uh, matches. Um, we had a Tiger fan kick, like an outside in German, which I thought was a sick move. Uh, Swerve and Nana made their appearances. They honestly put on a solid show here. I just don't give a shit about Brian Cage. Um, 
he cut a promo afterward. He called Brian pa- Brian Cage an oaf, <laughs> and uh, Nana he called the Burger King. Um, yeah, Burger King crowd. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, uh, Swerve, you know, making the challenge here official for Wrestle Dream, I think was smart. Um, obviously, then you get the attack after the match, and then the Young Bucks make the save. I know you were going to go through that, but I decided to just no, do yeah, it yeah. Anyway, go I was ahead, go ahead about it. So. Um, yeah, the Bucks making the savior obviously makes sense for the storyline. Um, <clears throat> when we get to it, Swerve plays that into what he talks about in his promos going forward. So that was obviously something they intentionally did to feed into the story. Obviously, this is going to end with, I'm assuming, Hangman being like, yo, guys, just sit at the sideline. I'm going to take care of this myself. I don't need you. You know, they'll probably be wrestling that night anyway, but who knows? You know, I mean, who knows? Sometimes I don't wrestle on pay-per-views. It's happened. Not very often, but sometimes it happens. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I thought it was a good match. Um, you know, I, I don't expect much from Brian Cage, so I was satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. No, Brian Cage, he can work well in these, in these moments like this. And cause like, I know he's going to work really well in the trios match, um, uh, wrestle dream. Um, dude, like seriously, wrestle dream is going to be fucking awesome. Um, we now have three matches announced, but the third isn't as of this moment what we're talking. But Danielson versus Saber, Hangman Adam Page versus Swerve, and now we know it's going to be FTR versus Aussie Open. Is this show being booked for us? Like, like honestly, is this made for us? I mean, it is on my birthday. Did, so did you maybe. fucking did you write Tony Khan a goddamn letter? <laughs> I don't have Tony Khan's contact info. You gave him a call, didn't you? No, I know it. I I I know. No, you shot, threatened him, but I wish I did. No, no, well, I mean, not not physically in person. <laughs> um, Maybe on this podcast. No way. Uh, but Wrestle Dream, literally, guys. I, I, and we know we we said a long time ago, all our Seattle boys are going to be booked on this. So Nick Wayne and Darby Allen will also be on the show. It's going to be awesome. Wrestle Dream really looks. I mean, three matches in, and I'm like, I'm I'm getting a little. I don't know. I'm getting like a twitch in my shorts. So. That's all I'm saying. Yo. Um, Renee's backstage with Danny Garcia. Who doesn't care? Oh, now I understand why you were getting the Twitch in your shorts. Okay. <laughs> he doesn't care to be asked about Chris Jericho and Sammy G. He wants to talk about going viral four times recently. Callus interrupts. He's trying to recruit him. I'm like, dude, Callus would try and recruit this guy. Talking about a Twitch in your shorts, bro. That's what Daniel Garcia has when he's doing that yeah, dance. He does. Garcia shushes him, and he's just doing the dance, walking off. Callus laughs. He tells Renee, that was money. I like the idea of Don Callis going around trying to recruit the best wrestlers. Like, think about it. Takeshita is is a blue chip prospect. So is Daniel Garcia. Like, <laughs> this is legit. He would actually try and do this. He should go after Nick Wayne next. Nick Wayne! Um, we'll get some highlights of Jade's return on Collision, saving Statlander. And, yeah, it's, it's only to lay out Statlander uh, as well. And we learn that Statlander will defend the TBS title against Jade this Friday on Rampage. Um, yo, actually, hold on. Don Callis should try and go after Nick Wayne, and then Christian Cage should be the one that comes up to interrupt and not Darby. And then Christian Cage be like, "Nah, you're just a con, man. I know you from the. I know you from Canada." Uh, anyway, um, yeah. So where were we at in the show? Um, well, speaking of that, yeah, I mean, we had we had the um. Jade Cargill versus Chris Statlander match getting announced. Yeah, which, is, which it was, was really nice. It was nice to see. And, and that led us to the main event, obviously. Or not, sorry, the main event. The next match. The the uh, fucking which, squash match that I completely... I, I didn't even know this was announced 
Um, I think they. I guess it was. I... Darby Allen and Nick Wayne defeated 2.0 in about five seconds. Um, <laughs> yeah, about 2.0 seconds. Um, but you know, the whole thing here was Christian Cage came out with Luchasaurus got on commentary. You know, Father of the Year Christian Cage, of course. And it, it, uh, Nick Nick Wayne and Christian Cage just you know organically being together is fucking hilarious because everyone was like, well, keep this guy away from Christian. And he talked about scrolling right. through Nick Wayne's mom's Instagram. Said they're he's disappointed. She's just posting up bikini posts. Yo, <laughs> he said maybe I'll have to slide in the DMs. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> this guy's the goat, man. Ah, oh, jeez, I love Christian Cage. But they set up a tag match at Grand Slam. Our main event, which got a pretty decent amount of time here, Samoa Joe defeats Roderick Strong. Neck health. Uh, in the Grand Slam World Title Eliminator Final, Joe, this post, dude, I, we got to talk about the post match here for a second. Okay, Joe was literally booked and built like a stone cold fucking killer, bro. He just assassinated Adam Cole and murdered him. Samoa Joe, you know, at, at first he did the Assassin's Creed on his ass, bro. Yeah, and I remember when he was just doing Collision at first, we were like, he's kind of like the big bad of Collision. No, 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 man. I think he's the big bad of AEW. And, wow. it's Samoa Joe feels legit. This is how I've always envisioned Samoa Joe to possibly feel like one day. And he really feels... It reminds me how young Joe was booked in TNA. Yeah. Because if you remember, like, because he was a lot bigger and swoller then, like, he wasn't as big chested then he was much more athletic looking you know than most Samoans are before he like got into that what a Samoan like you normally looks like kind of big when they're muscular but like he was smaller then but he looked a lot leaner and so they booked him like a fucking monster then and they're doing that again now and I think you know give give credit to TNA they booked monsters well Abyss was one of my favorite things to watch for a long time too so you know but we'll give credit to them there because not every company can do that well absolutely and you know I thought this match was pretty good. I I remember saying last week, I was like, dude, I don't know who the fuck they're going to have win this. And that kind of feeling, it, it really feels good when it's a result that happens and you're like, okay, I'm in. Samoa Joe MJF feels like a legit main event to Grand Slam. And I think Grand Slam is going to be a hell of a show. So this was a uh, pretty, pretty enjoyable episode of Dynamite. It wasn't my favorite that we've ever had. But, you know, we're getting we're getting a lot of title. Every match theoretically felt like it had some stakes, you know, except for the little bit shoved in yeah. there. But you know, Dynamites it was it was the go home show to Grand Slam. That that's what they've been doing all week is booking Grand Slam and making it feel more important. Alright, Rampage. When I tell you I was worried how Rampage started off, dude. The Hardys and the Lucha Bros. Defeated the versus versus Slapnut Square, which is what I'm calling that tag. Yes, the Butcher, the Blade, Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal. Alex Eberhantes was out there. Isaiah Cassidy was out there. Karen Jarrett, Satnam Singh, Sanjay Dutt, Kip Sabian, The Bunny, and Penelope Ford. Motherfucker, this was a lumberjack match. This was a lumberjack match. This was the definition of shenanigans are afoot. I think that they probably just threw this. They were like, okay, guys. Here's how we're going to keep the crowd entertained while we're changing everything from Dynamite to Rampage. Tony Khan said, here's how I'm going to get 20 people a paycheck this week. That's what he said. Um, I mean, come on. The whole point of this match was for the righteous to walk out on stage and hover over the bodies of the Hardys. That was it. 
we cut to backstage with Dr. Britt Baker, who is uh, with Renee. And God, fucking Britt cuts a hell of a promo here. She says things haven't gone as planned. And she should be a two-time women's champ by now. She's going to do what she does best to make history. This time becoming the first woman to hold the women's and TBS title. And it's honestly, you know, she, she issues a challenge for the winner of Statlander versus Cargo later tonight to face her in the main event of Collision tomorrow. And I was like, man, that's how you set up a match. Like, like it's that simple. Let's go. I'm down. God, she, she's so believable with how she speaks, you know? She's really fucking talented. QTV segment with Johnny TV, and it's taking the place of QT Marshall, who's off wrestling in Mexico. Aaron Solo asked Marshall, is Marshall coming back? Johnny said, of course. And then he, they did some fucking handshake. There's a match luchador standing by named Ijo, El Hijo del Harvey. Someone Johnny brought in to show solidarity while Marshall was gone. And then he fucking lays him out. He and Solo had to restrain Harley Cameron from stabbing the poor guy with scissors. Yeah, they tried to murder him, bro. Johnny TV, what, like, what's, uh, what are you doing, bro? Leave El Hijo well, del Harvey alone. To, I'm, I'm sorry, we've not made the joke. That would have been a hate crime. They took him because he was a luchador. What is going on here? <laughs> that would have been a hate crime. Uh, and then we had a quick flashback to Ring of Honor, where we had Matt Taven and Mike Bennett defeat Christopher Daniels and Matt Seidel. <laughs> I feel like we've had this match, and we probably haven't. It, it's really funny. Uh, I was like, did we just step into nah, a portal? I don't give a fuck. The promo that we got oh, out of yeah. so like, worthless. I literally Let's thought to myself, I'm like, did we just step into a portal? Because you know what's funny? My sister had no idea who either of these people were. <laughs> So, I was like, um... Bro, fucking somebody said the word je ne sais quoi, which all I have to say to that is Gazuntite. All right. Yes. Uh, but the, the kingdom beat up the old vets. And yes, Matt, Matt Seidel is an old veteran. Look up his age, you'll laugh. Because it'll catch you off guard, because he still looks like he's 24. Yeah, this was literally a proton pack out of the commercial break, essentially. Literally. literally. Which is fine. There was a couple matches like that this week. But the fucking promo, Taven got bro. the win. So, yeah, post-match, Taven said they didn't have a lot of time as they need to rush to the hospital to check on at Roderick Strong. Taven doesn't blame yep. Samoa Joe for what happened. He blames Adam Cole. <laughs> the kingdom <laughs> wants to take back what is respectfully theirs. The Ring of Honor Tag Team titles. Bennett said it's Neck Health Awareness Month and shows their red bracelets. For those who don't believe in such a thing, you ball up before a fist, Punch them in the wiener, and then he literally <laughs> drops, and you lay them out with a pile driver. When he dropped, like, that entire front row fucking popped. Neck health awareness matters as the kingdom are coming Punch home him in to the Roddy. Wiener. This was hilarious. Punch him on the wiener, bro. That needs to be on his shirt. Punch him on the wiener. Punch him in... The- yeah, dude. Incredible. Uh, <sighs> Mike Bennett, where did that come from? That was, like, legit hilarious. Fucking... Nah, I remember saying when we were reviewing him and Maria's backstage segments when they were making him a cuck on WWE. That you know, was crazy like, still. That was crazy, but it was still hilarious. Like, I thought he was doing, like, I think he has no shame. He's absolutely willing to go out there and make fun of himself if it has to be. But that was, dude, he was comedy. I bet, like, this made me think Mike Bennett could be the kind of heel that does, like, you know how the New Day were, like, the, the heels the kids could still kind of like, you know? Like, I feel like that could be them. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I don't know. Um,. But hey, that promo, that's got to go down. I saw a clip of that before. It's just him saying, punch him in the wiener. And I was just like, whoa. <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. Um, Hey, th- this kind of shit can get over, though. Neck health awareness, this this can get over. People people dig it. Renee is backstage at the Mogul Embassy. Brian Cage said the Young Bucks were lucky. Cage was exhausted after his match with Hangman Page. Otherwise, would have laid him out. Swerve said the Bucks were friendly when they were on his podcast. But now they're back to putting on their EVP hats. 
He issued a challenge for Grand Slam for Cage and the See, Gates of Agony. They're not afraid to let people say shit about what has happened with these guys. They they're not afraid of. Yeah, them. they just didn't want CM Punk to start shit because you know how Punk would have done. He would have been like, and then it would have been a fucking fist fight again. And there and yeah, so yeah, nice little backstage promo. God, isn't it nice how much Swerve is being featured right now? I fucking love it. It's almost as if now that there's like not some giant asshole preventing other people from maybe being used because they took up too big of a slot on both fucking shows. <laughs> and maybe, maybe people are getting opportunities now. The acclaimed and daddy ass defeat Peter Avalon and the Outrunners. My favorite tag team. Uh, post-match, the Dark Order. <laughs> uh, there's nothing to even talk about. Uh, Dark Order interrupt. They're good guys, want a trio's title shot. Owens asked why they deserve a title shot. Evil Uno said the last four years are grinding to get where they are is why. Uno is tired of good things happening to bad people. Issues a challenge for tomorrow night. A singles match to show them they deserve a title shot. Uh, Gunn said they'll decide it with rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> it was scissors every time. Uh, Bowens accepts. They'll spank their ass purple. Aussie Open get a win in about seven seconds over Damian Chambers and Lord Crew. Sounds like someone in fucking Song of Ice and Fire. <laughs> Lord Crew? Honestly, Damian Chambers sounds, sounds like a linebacker. True. <laughs> and then we've already talked about the Rampage main event. So I thought Rampage picked up after that opening shabacle. I was I was actually worried for the show when that match happened. I'm like, dude, because I'll, I'll tell you right now, this is not even a joke. There's no bullshit. I was about to watch Rampage live because I was watching some Friday Night Football. You know, I think it was fucking UTEP or someone. I was like, oh, this is going pretty good. You know, I, I, I dig my college football Friday nights. I flipped on Rampage. After that match, I paused Rampage and didn't pick it back up till Saturday morning. And I am not fucking kidding. Straight up. Damn. I, I So the rest of the show did pick up, but I was just like, man, is this, is this one of these fucking AEW dark shows? Because I'm not feeling it. Although, let it be told, let it be known, at that time, I kind of forgot what our main event would be. So, <laughs> maybe I was a little too tired then to even watch wrestling, but that being said, we got AW Collision episode 14 here, and then uh, after you're done talking about this, we'll uh, we'll do some Grand Slam predictions to take us home. Hell yeah, because we've done that the last couple of Grand Slams, so we might as well do it again. Again! Anyway, uh, we had our cold open, this time featuring the Blackpool Combat Club, Ricky and Bill, Chris Statlander, Rip Baker, the Dark Order, and the Acclaim. So your champions and your big storylines, basically. Makes sense. I mean, I guess technically John is champion, so whatever. Um, so yeah, you got your champions in there. They're challengers. You know, makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, Willow was I noticed in the opening graphics for Collision. I like that. I hope that means that she's going to be a regular star on Collision. I really because we could use a couple more women on there. Obviously, we've been talking about there was only like four on there for a while. So you know, um, so hopefully that's a sign of good things to come. Um, Ricky and Bill took on Brian Danielson and Claudio Castagnoli to start out the show. Um, we had a nice little strength off between uh, the two large men, which I thought was really good. And uh, Nigel, Nigel McGinnis keeps fucking teasing me with the fucking potential teases of fighting Danielson again. Don't do it, you son of a bitch, unless you're going to fight him. I, I'm, stop it. Ugh. Anyway, um. But, Brittle Brian. Yes. This got good time. It's got like 22 fucking minutes, bro. It was just like a long. Dude, I couldn't match. believe how much time it got. It It got good time. 
Um, everything they did was fantastic too. Claudio had a spot of like infinite lariats and uppercuts that just couldn't kill the fucking monster that is Big Bill. Big Bill, by the way, I, we haven't talked about this, bro. You've been talking about how much you like him. He's been getting booked like an actual monster lately. Yep. I think it's getting over. Like, I think people are starting to buy into Big Bill, the Big Bill hype. Um, we had a big man with a big slam. Um, you know, and that, that's basically what Claudio was building up to. Uh, Ricky ended up picking up the pin over Brian Danielson here. Now that is fucking huge. He did it by deleting the Nards. Um, but you know, uh, it, it's still a massive win for Ricky Starks' career. Obviously that's going to be talked about even if he doesn't, uh, even less, he goes on to like just pin him clean, which he might. Um, Ricky Starks now has a win over Brian Danielson. Uh, just immediately, you know, talk about the match a little bit and then give me your thoughts on that. I thought in general, the match did, it really set the bar for a good episode of Collision with Wrestling. Again, right? And Ricky Starks has kind of been one of our main focal points. And if if we end up going to a scenario where, you know, the majority of our Brian Danielson matches will be on Collision and Ricky Starks matches on Collision and so on and so forth. Just like if we, if we get a Kenny Omega match, we know it's going to be on Dynamite, right? It isn't Wrestle Collision yet. But there's certain guys that you can really make this exception for. And I, I really, really enjoyed this match. I really did. I was surprised by the result, by the way. Oh, 100%. If I had guessed, I would have guessed that Ricky would have pinned, um, you know, well, I guess. I, could, I yeah, thought Big Bill was eating the pin. Yeah, honestly, yeah, I, I th- that would make sense because, like, I don't think Claudio gets pinned here either because then you kind of have to set up a title match. Although, if they had a big bill pin Claudio, I'd have been cool with that too. Um, but I didn't think they were going to go that direction. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it was kind of surprising, but I mean, I'm, I let the story of the match tell me and I, I kind of felt like it was right at the end. So I think sometimes that can happen. Like, even if you weren't thinking this is the right move at the time, um, I think it turned out to be here. I think, I think, uh, I think this is huge for, for Ricky. Um, speaking of huge things, the elite were backstage on collision as a group. I think for the first time, Charlie, I would have to think, right? Um, at least one of the first times. Um, but it was crazy. It's, it's wild seeing them there because they just haven't. It's not been a thing. Yeah. Um, they were backstage. They made a challenge for the trios championship that we already uh, mentioned for Grand Slam Rampage. And, uh, so we're going to have, uh, a, a trios title match between the elite. And the, um, uh, excuse me, and the Immobile Embassy. So, um, you know, are we right? Do I have that right? No. Yeah. Do I have the matches backwards here? Yeah, no, okay, I have it right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> My brain's fried right now. I'm sorry. Um, we're two more, we're like almost two hours into the show. I'm, I'm losing it. All right. Um, but yeah, no. And so that match is obviously going to be big. We had to have that set up here. Um, I'm glad that the elite are getting on collision now. It's cool. It's, it feels like this is what I was talking about. It feels like we've lifted, like the gas is lifted from the, from the, you know, that was choking out AEW, you know, now, now we can breathe. Um, Hobbs is in a promo package here, opening another chapter in the book of Hobbs. This chapter is titled destruction. <laughs> um, I want to read this book, man. Same. I really what hope there's like, actually, shoot, a book actually like kind of making a book about his about I his time so. in AEW. I mean, he. I mean, he probably will write a book anyway. A lot of wrestlers do, but if he has a long career, even if he doesn't, but like, I imagine a lot of these early AEW wrestlers will probably write. Books. My favorite part of when Dax had his podcast was him kind of talking about how him and he had a big part in getting Hobbs signed. And it's like, dude, I, yeah, I just want to hear. Would, I want to hear that story more. I'd love to. I've heard Hobbs talk about his his like process of becoming a wrestler like that. 
and um, not like at length, but like, you know, interviews. He seems like a really interesting guy. I'd love to hear more myself. Um, but yeah, it would also be a great fucking piece of merch if they actually had a book that was like called the book of Hobbes and like he started carrying around an actual copy of it or something and they just let him sell it on TV, but it also was part of his gimmick. So you know what I mean? Like, uh, it'd be cool. Um, I don't think they should sell that at awshop.com. I think they should let Hobbes publish it himself, but you know, whatever. Um, let him read his own fucking audible too. Just like John Moxley did. Oh, that'd be sick. I, I still need to get Mox. I'd see that's an audible I would get would be John Moxley's audio book. That's what I would listen to. Um, yeah. So Miro then, so we go from the, the book of Hobbes chapter of destruction to Miro screaming at God <laughs> because he abandoned humanity and left them godless. And now they have to worship Miro. <laughs> Bro, these fucking promo segments oh, on collision so are good, incredible. Dude. Like, <laughs> Iron Savages took on FTR for the tag team titles. <clears throat> the Iron Savages are not just societal menaces, Charlie. They're public enemy number one. They need to be stopped. On the, the things they got people on commentary saying, man. I don't. Know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, FTR squash here, pretty much. Not much there for the uh, the Iron Savages. I think in their head, FTR were like, "Yeah, if these guys actually want to do something, we'll let them." But and they were just like, and Tony Khan was just like, "Nah, just beat the shit out of them." Uh, the workhorsemen then make an appearance. And it looks like we're getting workhorsemen versus FTR. Now that is going to be a hell of a match, Charlie. Um, Aussie Open also looking on, which will go on to be the match that we're going to be getting at Wrestle Dream, um, which we'll talk about when the FTR promo segment comes up in a second. But, you know, uh, Keith Lee backstage. Okay, so we should probably talk about this, right? Mm hmm. So, <laughs> take 20, collision. All right. Um. Yeah. So that happened. <laughs> um, what the fuck? You can't let that happen, guys. You really I, can't. I, I understand. I mean, you make Keith Lee look like the biggest fucking moron of all time, and he's not. He's a fucking intelligent human being. But you made him look like a fucking idiot when you did that. You know? Yeah. Um, oh, brutal. Just how do you? And not even actually having a clapperboard too. That's even more. It's so amateur. Not that they don't do that on some like some films. You don't have a clapperboard sometimes. Sometimes they don't want to use one, or they just don't have one. They should have one, but sometimes they don't have one, right? Or you make a makeshift one. This is something I know about because we talked about it in college. But like, if you're gonna use that as a method for, and what's weird is it a live promo too. Do they do that for live promos usually? No, I think those are all taped. Are all the ones on on, on collision tape? That I would think I think just in general in wrestling, most of those are taped. That that's my well, guess. I mean, that's true. That's fair. I would be. It wouldn't be that hard to make it look like it was long. Uh-huh, you know exactly. I mean? <laughs> uh, just real quick on the FTR thing. Yeah, go ahead. What are your thoughts on them defending against Iron Savages and then the Workhorsemen? Two of our perennial, uh, let's just say, losers in both divisions. Um, I mean. They're more likely to get a good match out of a workhorseman. So, I mean, if that had just been a, a one-off with those guys and they just give them a chance to maybe give them uh, some shine, then I'd be cool with that. Iron Savages just do nothing for me, so it doesn't really... To me, it's just they wanted to have them on the show, obviously, but they yeah. didn't have anything for them, so they gave them the Iron Savages. Th- they could have just done the same thing with the workhorseman this week, but maybe they wanted to stretch it out a little bit. Don't know. I genuinely think the only um, reason they're doing know. these matches is to build up that lineage when they... Because I, I still think this is going to be one of the best tag title runs ever, and I think they're going to have a list of teams that they've beaten, and they're just building that up still. And that's kind of what I think, you know, 
they're going to throw a take on all challengers, right? And there's no rankings anymore. So the workhorsemen, theoretically, you know, they could beat up someone at the gate and run out there and make a challenge. And who's going to stop them? Because the, cha- the fucking champions accepted it. You know, if we're talking, you know, kayfabe a little bit. But right. so that that yeah. was what I was thinking. I, I, the other part of me is like, if you have your champions wrestle these, you know, let's just say it lower on the card wrestlers. Like, we, Anthony uh-huh. Henry's fucking incredible. However, the workhorsemen as a team have been perennial kind of booked on the lower end of the card. Does this bring down your tag champions? Or does it, because no. it's FTR, it doesn't really fucking, it doesn't matter. Well, no, I don't think it even matters if it's FTR. I don't think this would have, this was like the Lucha Bros. I don't think them facing the workhorsemen. I think if you put a certain caliber of team in your tag titles, yes, that does help. But I think just in this instance, because of the, the, the similarities and the, and Dax goes in into, I'll just jump to it now, the promo, how far away is it in the actual list? It's like close to the end. Um, like it's like after the Eddie Kingston, uh, between Eddie Kingston and uh the the incredible Danielson package, right? Um, there was an FTR quick promo backstage where they were like, "Yeah, we've known about this team for 15 years." So I think that's more what motivates this is that they wanted to have this match anyway. Okay, and maybe they saw that they were facing lower tier talent, like you're saying, in storyline, and they're like, "Now I want to take an opportunity because we know they're not doing anything right now." Okay, and Agreed. we you know we can yeah. we have these similarities. I I don't know it's possible. I I don't really know. But back to the Keith Lee thing. The big thing coming out of that is he was challenged by Shane Taylor, who still had Lee with him, so that's obviously a thing. Um, and so we have uh, a potential challenge there. There's history there that should be really interesting. Your thoughts on Shane Taylor versus Keith Lee? Uh, that's money, and I I anytime we get more Keith Lee matches, I'm a happy guy. Agreed. And then when we get more Shane Taylor, it makes me really excited because he does good stuff. We uh, uh yeah we have John Silver taking on Anthony Bowens here. We had a bullshit chance when uh, Daddy Ass and, and Platinum Max were sent packing. Uh, they should have read the contract. Uh, apparently, the Dark Order have, have started to not only is Evil Uno um an AR specialist, but apparently he's also a lawyer. Um, <laughs> so you know the uh, the contract law is on the side of the Dark Order. Um. Yeah, these these two are both good, so I think this crowd kind of stuck with this. It was a good match. It, you know, it wasn't like spectacular. It was just fun though. Uh, Anthony Bowens is pretty good, um, and he he gets opportunities to show that every now and then. So I'm glad. Maybe there, do you think? Do you think there'll be a chance one day that we will see Platinum Max and and Anthony Bowens go separate ways as single stars? Because I think they could both make it individually. One day, yes. I just I feel like Bowens is a strong enough promo. Yeah. He doesn't need it's, Max. It, I feel like it's not going to be anytime soon. You know. We'll get, we'll I get shockers just like get by as a gimmick wrestler on his rapping and just lose to everybody as a rapper. Kind of yeah. like how, you know, I, and I don't think he would need to win. I, don't, I think he'd just roast the fuck out of everybody as a heel constantly and he'd be super over. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I, um, more than likely could happen. Um, hopefully not anytime soon though. <laughs> yeah, no, I like them together for right now. Much, make it way after the point where talk about um, a team that's always retires. booked and busy, even when they weren't champions. Correct. Um, I think that you could spread that even further is what I'm saying. Like if, if this works out the way in my head that it will, daddy ass retires, they go as a tag team for a little bit, just a while, maybe in just the main tag division. Now that their trio is gone. Right. And they maybe win the titles again. And then they lose them after maybe a decently long run with the titles. And then they're like, you know what? We've done really good stuff together, but now, you know, and then the logic in the booking is that you're going to be able to spread the star power that you've gotten on both of these two that you had from the trio that was built up by the two of them in the first place because of the gimmick and how everybody was getting behind them organically. And then they won the titles that you then take that and spread that to other people in two halves 
that have hopefully the same amount of impact on other people's careers. Hopefully. Yep. That's the idea. Yeah. Uh, Claudio Castagnoli was backstage, and he caught a really good promo here. Oh, man. He gave us a lot to chew on before the Arthur Ashe match with Claudio, which, you know, um, did I skip over an Eddie promo no, at some point? I, I feel like I did. I think you, uh, yeah, I think you meant to say Eddie. Oh, you know what? Let me, let me read here. No, wait, hold on. Let me go to my, do I have my notes backwards? It might be backwards. Hold on, hold on, yeah, because this is when notes. Eddie came out, or well, had his little promo backstage. Hold on, let me see. I, I think I just, yeah, I might have my notes backwards here. Um, buh, 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 buh. Yep, 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 John Silver, Anthony Bowens. Oh, yeah, okay, Eddie Kingston. Yeah, I think I just have. Yeah, 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 Eddie Kingston. You're right, you're right, right. This is the incredible Eddie promo, my bad. Yeah, I think I just have my segments backwards in my head. Yeah. Um, he was talking about the history between him and Eddie and how everybody knows what it is that Eddie refused to do, or sorry, he refused to do business with Eddie back in the day and how they have beef now because of that, because he went off to the WWE and all that. And, uh, you know, it just gives you more to think about as we're heading into this match because it's one of the you know coolest storylines they got going. I honestly don't know if the impact's going to hit a whole ton of people that aren't AEW fans. I don't know if they know about it, you know, but it's still pretty cool. Well, on that note, um, this is what I'll recommend. AEW put out an hour and a half video talking about the history and showing footage of the history of these guys. Would highly recommend if if you have been digging this program so far and want to know more about, you know, where it all started and all that. They just released that video and it's been getting a lot of praise because some people have been like, I just, I never realized how deep it went. So it, they literally dropped an you hour want, and a like half. Another, if you want a slightly shorter version of that, I think there's like a 10 minute video by, let me look up the creator on YouTube. Um, hold on. Uh, but yeah, this Eddie, Eddie promo was so good, man. He makes you forget what we're really doing here. And he makes it feel like he's actually going to go out it's there. It's uh, by Joseph man. Monticello. It's 15 minutes long. And it goes through just the match that they had in Jakarta about respect, which is the big thing that they referenced here. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's if you want like a shorter than an hour long like you know thing, that's a really good video that uh, kind of got me hyped about this in the first place. So there's that. Um, Hook and Orange Cassidy backstage continue to become more friends, and they book a tag match together. Yes, I'm in. Um, Aussie Open had another quick squash match here. They took on PB Smoove and Wes Barkley. Um, you know, just uh, they had a crazy like looking like finish move here. Um, and they cut a promo afterward. And uh, they let's see, let's see, let's see, yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah, if you've not seen the FTR LPO Open match from last year on October 1st, uh, I would definitely go back and watch that. Um, Which New Japan did upload the entire match the for free. So this is where we got the announcement. We're going to be getting FTR versus Aussie Open. You know, running it back. Wrestle Dream. It's going to be an incredible match. Um, and now we go to a really fun segment, Charlie. So we got this really like old, tiny, like 50s, 40s, whatever, th- you know, tw- like whatever fucking years it's supposed to be. Intro for Tony Storm here. Um, and it was called Profile of a Star, and she's still dressed up in her old, whole gimmick, right? And RJ City sat down with her in a sit-down interview, and she started complaining about the lighting and noticing how the business had changed. She thought wrestling was about being stars and making money, not signing every little girl with a sob story. Jesus Christ. 
It's like she's playing into this fucking shit with the women's division. It's crazy, you know? Mm, yeah, oh yeah. Um, she's been funny. This is going to be comedy. I I really want to see where they go with this. This is fun. What do you think about this stuff? I thought it just added another layer to this excellent fucking character Tony's making. And this is the kind of thing I would look forward to it week by week. And it'll be even better if she's got the title with her. <laughs> Absolutely. Scorpio Sky had a little pre-match hype video here for himself returning, talking about how he needs the direction himself. This is why I started thinking that him and Ethan Page would be a good pairing, because I was like, yeah, it's kind of the same vibes, honestly. You know what I mean? So, Scorpio Sky looking for direction going forward now that he's been gone after back-to-back injuries. It'd be tough for anybody to come back. He's taking on Andrade El Idolo. Got some new music for Scorpio Sky here. So I did like the new music for Lee. Scorp's new music? What do you think? What, what, what are we thinking on this one? Uh, reach for the... Yeah, it was all right. It's all right. You know, reach for the sky, that's tough when, you know, that's kind of already the Briscoe's thing, right? Yep. Like, yeah. But maybe because they're not planning on having Mark back for a while. Who knows? Um, But either way... Um, I'm describing the current, and I've talked about this current style a little bit. A little bit. I've been kind of like extrapolating on the style that Andrade has been wrestling for a while, and I think I've been saying the same things about it. But I'm calling it down and dirty. It's fast-paced, well-executed maneuvers, trying to wear down parts of the opponent's body and create big opportunities to hit his power moves. You know what I mean? Um, I thought this was a great return match for Scorpio. He wins by bridging into the figure, figure eight. That is he being Andrade Idolo here. Andrade is continuing to roll on, having just great matches. He's another person that's just putting on a great series of matches just quietly in the background of Collision right now, ever since it started. He just saw Collision as an opportunity, and he was like, fuck yeah, that's going to be one of my shows, you know? Yeah. And Andrade, I would put him up there in the top three or five stars in, in on Collision right now. He's been killing it. Uh, your thoughts on this match, Charlie? I I wish the ca- the crowd seemed to really not, like, vibe with it for a little bit there. Because I think they forgot about Scorpio. And, you know, I I love Andrade getting some wins, man. I He's the kind of guy that I just, I think you could really put him on the top of the card. And he will not fall. Like in a, in a what, what's, the, what's the term there? In a, in a do or die situation? I don't know, fucking mm-hmm. sink or swim is the analogy I was looking for there. I, I think he would swim. So I, I, I really knife, think he's knife fantastic. expanding from blade sound. Switchblade J White makes the, yes. makes an appearance. He's challenging Andrade El Elo to breathe with the switchblade. Ah. Um Do we think that's gonna be a TV match or a Collision next week? Match? Yep, they put up a oh, little did graphic. They, did they say? Oh that's right. Alright, cool. We already got maybe, Starks maybe. versus Danielson in that fucking death match and this. Oh <laughs> yeah, my god. Um, we had a little rundown of Omega and Ibushi's history together. With uh, I love that they're doing all these segments with Rickaboni doing the fucking Rickabon doing the fucking uh, the VO dude. That's that's great voiceover work for for Rickaboni. I hope he gets more work out of that if he's not already getting it. He's got a great voice for that shit. Let me do some of that shit. I do great VO anyway. Let me run down the history of Danielson and fucking, uh, what the, the and fucking, uh, who would I would love to? God, I don't know the history that well, but I could learn it. The, the history, alright, when Nigel and, and fucking Brian have their fucking match at the end of Brian's career, let me have, the, let me do it, don't, let me do it, come on, anyway. Um, uh, Shibata, uh, is backstage and he's making a challenge for Wrestle Dream, which I don't know if he said in the promo, but I think it was implied that it's going to be Yonosuji by fucking Nigel. Um, or somebody from the Musketeers. He literally said the three Musketeers, right? Like, 
I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think Nigel let that one slip, bro. Oops. I don't think anybody noticed, though. You know what I mean? No. Well, let me look at the, the notes here. So, in this, like, he wanted to put a pure title on against Nick Wayne. That's what they said. Um, but he also competed at Wrestle Dream, and then fucking Nigel said the thing. So, maybe I just misheard. Could be. But Nick Wayne's definitely getting a match for the pure title, which I'm excited about. I think I suggested that a little bit. Uh, so, let's go for it. I'm down. Righteous took on the Hardys. Uh, not much here. Pretty much a squash, essentially, against the Hardys. The Hardys are basically the <laughs> the punching bags of the tag division right now, which is unfortunate for them, but is just the reality of them being older, you know? Um, maybe you know I keep thinking the Hardys are going to surprise me in one of these matches, but they haven't yet. But I do like the direction of the promo from the Righteous, bro, and the fact that they're going to maybe challenge for the tag titles as well, which maybe like suggests that they're not going to be that you know that the challengers like the Kingdom aren't going to win them, which I didn't think they were going to anyway. But obviously that suggests that maybe this title reign is going to go a little bit of distance, so that's cool. We got Claudio's perspective talking about how he thought Eddie was screaming and cursing half right. Um, and that was, you know, Claudio adding more fuel to the fire here, talking about how he believed that he could have been more if he hadn't, you know, given up essentially, and that he knew better than anyone because of them living together, how good Eddie could be and how, you know, close to Eddie really was and what was holding him back and how he blamed other people. And this fucking storyline is just so good, Charlie. <sighs> I really hope it main events next week. It'd be I incredible. really, I hope really it hope it does. We talked about the FTR backstage promo. We had an incredible, incredible promo package setting up Zack Sabre Jr. versus Brian. Oh Daniels my god! Dream. Fucking AEW's Zach getting Sabre better Jr. with these. Like seriously, yeah. for the longest time, yeah. like you, you remember WWE's fucking promo package. They were so good, and mm-hmm. AEW is now reaching a point. Like I don't know if they brought in someone new or what's happening. They should. They these, should bring in random editors just to do some of these that are more important. This was just not that they shouldn't trust their own crew, but there's some things you need to make feel more epic. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like this did. This indeed did. And we went straight from that epic shit. Ricky Starks was backstage and he's like, oh, look at this. Another video package for somebody I beat. What the <laughs> hell is going on here? Look at this shit. I'm getting... Oh, Ricky Starks is just killing it right now. I love it. He challenged Brian Danielson to a Texas death match next week. That took us to our main event um, uh, of Britt Baker versus Chris Statland, which I already talked about how much I liked. Man, just a really great episode of Collision. Um, any thoughts that you had, other than obviously we have that match, and then we'll get into our predictions. I enjoyed Collision. I I watched it today. You know, I do my thing where I like catching Collision, and even not watching live, it still hits that hard, and it's still a truly enjoyable show. And the stage of collision is so fucking beautiful. I, I love it. Um, so yeah, here we go. AW Grand Slam 2023. Um, it's we we have five matches announced for Dynamite, and we'll go we'll go odds and evens here. All right, so you're up first here. You pick the winner. We have John Moxley versus Ray Phoenix for the AEW International Championship. Got Mox. I got Mox as well. Uh, Chris Jericho versus Sammy Guevara. I am going with uh, Chris Jericho here. Sammy's winning and Jericho's turning on him. Okay, okay. We have Soraya versus Tony Storm for the AEW Women's World Championship. I think Soraya's retaining, probably. I got Tony Storm winning. I got Tony Storm winning the title back. 
If 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 Soraya loses this title and did literally nothing with it and didn't even show literally up on TV at all, nothing it'd be horrible. Nothing with it. That would be horrible. Um, MJF for Samoa Joe for the AEW World Championship. I think I'm I'm going MJF here. Yeah, Maxwell's retaining and in I think dominant fashion probably. Okay, I, I can't. It's gonna be a good match. And then here we go. Winner take all for the ROH World Championship and the Str- New Japan Strong Open Weight Championship. Claudio Castagnoli versus Eddie Kingston. It's time. It's an Arthur Ashe. Yep. Eddie Kingston has been on this yep. path of redemption ever since he quit AEW. It is time in Arthur Ashe Stadium for Eddie Kingston to become a double world champion. Fuck yes. I'm all in. I'm with you. Eddie Kingston, let's go. Um, we predicted this last year. Last when year. We were, when, when CM Punk won the title in like the fucking summer of last year. We predicted that this would be a great finale for this. Would be at this pay per view. I'm okay with him winning these. I think he just. I think. I mean, Eddie Kingston as our front man for Ring of Honor is going to be beautiful. Uh, Christian Cage and Luchasaurus versus Darby Allen and Sting. I am going Darby Allen and Sting. I'm just trying to think if, if anybody is is representative of that grind, that style, and that ability to wrestle. That is what Ring of Honor represents. That's not Claudio. It's got to be Eddie. Yeah, has to be. What do you got in the Cage and Lucha versus uh, Darby and Sting? Um, hmm. I they'll probably cheat and win, right? The uh, the heels. Good. It is Sting at Arthur Ashe. That was my thought process. It could be. It could be a big Sting win. I, what, what, who do you got? I think I'm going to go I got with, Sting and Darby Allen. It's hard to bet against Christian Cage right now. It is hard, but I got Sting and Darby Allen all day. Um, and then we have the Mogul Embassy versus the Elite. The Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, Get those and Hangman Adam off Page. Them, please. You going with the Elite? Yeah, they should get Dude, hell yeah. Um... I mean, I, I, I this is definitely their biggest challenge yet. Give me the elite, man. Fuck it. If if we start seeing the young bucks pop up on fucking uh Ring of Honor, count me in. And then we have the- we talked about last week. You're gonna have to start making some difficult decisions. It's not a difficult decision if you're sending stars to a smaller brand to try and make that brand bigger. But does not is that what the young bucks and him are going to want to do? Probably not. But hey, man, I could see them being like, "Hey, but we could help elevate some stars down here for a bit at least." Yeah, there's a lot of people probably in there that they young bucks haven't had a chance of tangling with. So imagine Charlie, you build up this Willie Mack and infantry team, and they defeat the elite. I, dude, money, yes. Uh, and then the acclaim to Billy Gunn versus the Dark Order. I got the acclaim to Billy Gunn. Uh, yes, agreed. All right, and that's our Grand Slam predictions. So. Um, thanks to everyone for sticking around for the show. Hope you enjoyed the uh, state of the our, our fucking state of the address, state of the union, no state of the women's division, and um, we'll be back next week where we're talking some Grand Slam. We're gonna be talking Jay White versus Andrade, Danielson versus fucking Starks. You know, there's actually pretty high odds that our favorites don't even come from Grand Slam. They come from this fucking badass episode of Collision. It's possible. It's um, possible. Again, uh, twitch.tv backslash the Duke of Derps at Bane Duke at O Charlie with an X instead of an A. We are Twitter at Eat Sleep Elite. By the way, we ran a poll this week. And thank you. Oh, yeah, we forgot to mention. Thank this. you to everyone who participated. Um, where we, I s- simply asked, who do you think will be the next AEW world champion? 
I put the name Samoa Joe, Adam Cole, Swerve Strickland, and other. Comment who? Swerve Strickland wins the poll with 36%. Adam Cole, 27%. Samoa Joe, 22%. And other was 15 So you might be wondering, who was other? Um, we had EGM, who, who he commented Wardlow. And he, he gave some good reasonings why. So if you're interested in that. We had a lot of people commenting Swerve. And they're just like, they're just so excited because it could be Swerve. And then uh, we even had some Dan Housen in the comments. So, Champion Housen. It's nice to know that people still believe in Wardlow because uh, I, I I guarantee you there are a selective uh, people that, that still do believe him. Where's the Wardlow? Where's the Wardlow? You know what Wardlow's doing? He's taking us home. Thank you very much for checking out the show, and we'll see you guys next week. And it doesn't fucking play. <laughs>